Uh, I have a uh, half bottle of wine. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I just ashed into my own beer, dude. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 115. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Trapani, and I'm joined by my esteemed resident homies, as always, Joseph, Joel, and Casey. What up, y'all? Yo. And uh, tonight we're joined by the great John Longstreth. What's up, John? Hey, everybody. What's um, up? intro song went through like every time signature in about 30 seconds didn't it? <laughs> we got to thank uh joseph and christoph christopher uh wait beady always beady i beady Beatty. always be beady no that was badass was no, how do we, how um, we we're supposed to say Beatty? no i supposed to say beady we, we've renamed his last name Beatty. and christopher beady check him out from the band dreamer uh john we should or, or recent fame of uh yeah. i was just passage. i was just hanging out with him like an hour ago for all Paris, day dude. yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I hung out with him at the uh cynic show uh this last weekend um it was so sick it was, it was super fun dude. shout out oh, cynic yeah. great show yes incredible yeah, yeah Joseph tell was me. there too Tell me about that Cynic show because I, uh, I, you know, I'm over here in New York, and all of a sudden there's just like Cynic sold out. Yeah, right, right. what is? <laughs> yeah, it like, yeah. It's like is this a time hop thing or something like that from years ago? <laughs> but it was a secret show. It, it, well, it, it was their first show of of like in eight years, and it was like them doing the whole Focus album because mm. this is like the 30 year anniversary thing. Mm. So, so they just did that like on the seven thousand seven hundred whatever the fuck it is seventy thousand tons and uh basically um like all these pictures of them out like you know all the fallujah everybody they're like floating in the tropical waters and shit i'm like man that looks cool yeah but, uh, have you ever done that have you ever done the, the seventy thousand yeah, tons have, right twice nice. okay, okay twice man yeah we we actually we ended up becoming the honorary pillow fight band oh <laughs> yeah i saw yes, that dude. and it was really funny because the first year we did it i don't I want to say it was 15 14 or something like that and they're like, yeah, you're going to be the pillow fight band. And we're like, okay, I think Jason set it up. And I don't know how, but he he got that going. And But it was like predicated on the fact that they were going to supply the pillows. And so you, su- you <laughs> will supply pillows and you do merchandise, maybe do pillowcases. So we did pillowcases <laughs> and they didn't supply pillows. And uh, so we uh, started playing and everybody came to the ice rink stage. Mm-hmm. With the pillows from their cabins, and just this, all, the, and the pillow fight went off, and all of a sudden somebody approaches the stage. They killed the power. They brought what? the power back up and says, "Everybody that has brought their pillow from their cabin needs to return it as soon as possible, or you will be fined, and the band will be fined, and everybody will be fined, and we'll turn this fucking boat around, damn it!" Jesus. And so that Over was pillows? that. Yeah, for pillows. <laughs> and then a couple years in in two thousand eighteen, nineteen, right before the pandemic, I think. We went out and did it, and this time they supplied pillows. And yeah. that, and you look at the footage; it's 
pretty damn fascinating. I, it's, <laughs> we're getting up on stage. We're like, oh, great. We're the pillow fight band on the 70,000 tons. Way to get honorary <laughs> pillow fight band. I think so. I don't know if anybody else is doing it. No one said anything. Like, no one has told me that, hey, um, I don't know. I can. <laughs> Manowar is the pillow fight. Be like Manowar would never be on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Well, that, I mean, that's how, that, that brings excitement to the show, though. It's like, dude, you going? Yeah, like we're going I to the would... pillow fight, fucking like you know, I like it's totally seems like... pillow fight to origin, dude. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, I feel like that kind of cruise is just right up your alley, dude. Just saying. Oh, like, dude. Like... I, no, what th this last time when knowing that Cynic was going on and seeing all the pictures already from people mm -hmm. that are on there, it's totally me, dude. Just like the Psycho Fest where you're watching a band at the pool. That's me, dude. Mm -hmm. It's totally me. Dude, Cynic is just one of those bands. I had actually never seen him live like before, which is crazy. I saw Sean and, and Paul play with Death to All, like that the human stuff years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like <clears throat> I've never seen Cynic for some reason. Just I just never saw him. And like, dude, it was like one of those bands where it was like, oh fuck, dude. Like yeah. Jesus, like you're not list. watching a metal band you're watching yeah. a, you're watching a progressive fusion band play and yeah they, totally. it's a whole experience dude yeah. it really is we this, um yeah Go ahead, we were dude. just on tour and mark van erp was playing bass for monstrosity oh shit so, oh, familiar mark van erp yeah, yeah. was the original bassist in cynic that was mind-blowing i asked him a couple of questions yeah. i don't think he remembered a lot of it but yeah it was really fucking cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's rad that's rad that yeah dudes like that like are still working at their instrument working in bands and shit even it's like it, it it sucks to be the dude that's like oh yeah i was on i was the first guy you know before it blew up or whatever but those guys can just hang up their hats yeah. and never do it again it's like know? the first I mean, singer of pantera or something it's like i don't even know who that guy is but he was the first singer <laughs> mark was killer man he's 56 or something he's the oldest guy on tour um barely drank anything i think one night he drank something didn't do any drugs uh and just was just happy to be alive and be in shape and just ripping a four string just mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh, yeah. he was a killer player man him and my bassist mike got on like a house on fire it was great you know? nice so that's it's nice to see that man it's 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 nice to see the old guys that are still out there and not out there being like oh let me tell you, yeah, like, oh, you, you don't out. understand what it was like. You and your, right. you and your yeah, fucking yeah. tracks and your Pro Tools. I had to count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's annoying, too, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say about the Cynic show, uh, the coolest thing for me that I didn't expect was that they had a keyboardist slash vocalist who's in the oh, band. He's really good. Really good. Yeah. Um, also seems to be old... doing the karaoke on this guy's got some style dude his shoes like like these pointy <laughs> shoes and like this whole like like suit he was wearing that guy is cool man nice i was like damn dude i don't know where he's from like or maybe if he's, he's from la somewhere yeah, i guess he yeah. works at a venue up here i learned um nice. joel and i are super and john we're all super jealous that we weren't there with you guys because he should be dude that was a show that i should have been at dude for i probably sure. could have made it too i thought my mom was coming into town so i was chilling out well she's flying in she everyone else is there man trevor everyone else is there dude thanks for adding on to it dude full well, US trevor, i told you about it chance. i know well they're gonna come so it's they're, okay, they're touring all year long basically yeah they're gonna tour that's what sure. paul said so uh it was so much fun dude. be yeah. looking out for that 
that. Well, Anyways, we need, to, we, need yeah. to, we need to bug Max Phelps about yeah. it. Hey, Max. Max but, is cool. Yeah, right. Shane, he's cool, dude. All right. So uh, well, well, we thought of a name for I... Paul at the show. We were calling him Metal Gandhi. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> that that works. That works. Work. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We, we haven't done any plugs yet, dude. Let's do the plugs real quick. Um, Magic Spoon. <laughs> what was that? Battleforge <laughs> Coffee, dude. Oh, hey. Yeah, dude. Mike Hamilton. Yeah. Sh- I need to get to, some coffee, actually. Shout out to our up. death metal dad, Michael ha- Michael Hamilton. Michael, I'm giving him his full Michael name. Jared Hamilton. <laughs> are Michael, you sponsoring you everywhere? John, are you sponsoring <laughs> coffee these days? I have been kind of a grandfathered in influencer for death wish since they started oh yeah i, I've been all I about know death wish. i know those guys it's funny because i used to work at a coffee shop in saratoga springs new york and anybody that's in the chat knows the place um it's right in the center of town it's bagels and coffee and it's been there since the 90s and it's the only business that is constantly slammed all year long and a couple of the guys that were working there started working at a coffee shop across the street and this guy eric i just ran into him one time he goes yeah i'm bagging up coffee for death wish in the basement of this place over here i was like what and so like like handful of little of, of music dudes from saratoga springs ended up like getting in with that company before they were a big company and now they're all that place is i don't it's i've never seen a, a marketing campaign for coffee like that there you mm-hmm. go they're good dudes Nice. Yeah, I, I, I basically searched for, I remember when it came out, I had searched for like most caffeinated coffee brand, you know, I was like, what's got the most caffeine, you know, like, and Death Wish came up right away, like about 2018, 17, and I just bought fucking so much of it, and it fucking made my heart freak out a little bit. It was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can, we, um, I, we, we were putting like the restaurant job, we were putting in the order for something, we were putting in like the week, week long, every week do the order and my boss greg he's just like do you want me to get a drum of powdered caffeine and he's like, <laughs> just this drum Whoa. of powdered caffeine it's just from columbia or something i don't know where it's from and what are you gonna do with powdered <laughs> caffeine Other i was people, already thinking about snoring, kill people <laughs> i mean i don't know how next door to cocaine or methamphetamine that is ah, but... dude, I, I don't understand i, I don't even want to begin to understand what a caffeine overdose feels like dude sounds yeah. quite a because we've already we've all felt the too much caffeine feeling and that's not fun at all yeah you know? dude, it'd, be I, ter- uh... it'd be terrifying if you had like t- way too much caffeine and way too many edibles at the same time no uh, actually you'd probably go to the hospital you probably you'd probably yeah. go to the hospital yeah that's yeah concentrated your- hippie speed ball dude it's like with the caffeine your heart your heart's doing like like doubles with the feet you know it's, it's doubling <laughs> with the with the with the pot then it starts popcorning a little bit and you're like oh shit i need to go fucking... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny oh man so here's a fun here's a wait fun. real quick wait, before yeah. we did let's finish the the plug dude oh manscape battleforge Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we spent the next last four minutes about death wish and other things yeah let's but... um let's pump our merch a little bit let's <laughs> do it yeah but yeah no but battleforge coffee no let's finish let's give respect to the homies battleforge <laughs> get over there mike come on support the homies for sure uh, all right absolutely. all right now joseph you can be our ma- model 
Well, this is actually the. Why does that keep happening? <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, one of a kind long sleeve Cali Death podcast uh, zombie design. Oh, long sleeve. Mm. There was one. It's one of those like homie moves. Ben threw a long sleeve in the order, which nice, is in XL. Dude. But uh, it, it's the design is available on all the short sleeves, uh, small through double XL, uh, and uh, twenty five bucks. Uh, and then we've got the OG design as well. Which wait, I... stand up one more time. Let me see the. Let me see your front one more time. That's a dope, Ooh. fucking design, dude. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I gotta get one. Of them. Cool, man. Shout out Triple oh, yeah. Space, Mark, and uh, mm-hmm. Santiago out there. Shout out. For us. Very cool. Triple Sace. Yeah, actually, so we have a week before I will be gone for two weeks. So if you want to get a t-shirt from us, order it this week and I'll get it out to you before I go. And then of course And if you order while he's out, we'll still get it to you. It just might take a little bit longer. It'll just take a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Be patient. It'll get to you though. Mm -hmm. And then uh shout out Curtis, who's on the screen. He bought the first american order of this design so shout out curtis dude that's what's up dude and uh last but not least uh subscribe and like and do all the good things that people do for channels and our channels are (laughs) twitch.tv slash cali the podcast i don't i never know how to say that right just oh i used to say push all the buttons dude just Casey's like, I guess, you're, I guess you're here already. I don't know if you need the fucking website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the people that are listening afterwards on YouTube, if they didn't, if they want to see it live, come over to twitch.tv slash Cali Death Podcast. And uh, if you're not, if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, dude, subscribe. It's free. Come on, help us out. And then uh, smash that yeah, subscription we, button. Exactly. <laughs> And we love you guys and hit the social medias to find out who's going to be on before the episode as well. And John, no. where do you want people to, <laughs> where do you want people to go? <laughs> Any places? Um, Go to Spain and visit the La Sagrada <laughs> I'd, I'd love to go to Spain. Dude. It's very, very pretty. Oh, I've never been there. there. Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, every, anybody that knows who I am knows what I do. Originband.com. You know, I, I, spend, I spend more time off tour on Facebook on my personal page. And on tour, I do more Instagram. So. Okay. But, uh. Is do you there any lessons method? or anything? Is there is there a there any... I oh, do. I do give lessons. I'm just. I'm a little jammed up until March. Okay. You know, but you just yeah. contact your social medias to get the. Uh, yeah, definitely the old... hit me up yeah. there. Cool. Um, I want to know your your method real quick. Why is it Instagram only on tour? I don't know. It's not a method. It's just what happens. Okay. Um, and I think I'm yeah. just also leaning a little bit towards Instagram. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit more because you know Facebook. It's. Uh, yeah, Facebook is starting to look like MySpace at the end of MySpace. Right. Yep. Facebook, kinda... I have more followers because I don't push my Instagram at all. But Facebook, I'll always have for my older generation family and friends that still cling to Facebook. You know, all the boomers hang out. On exactly, dude. Yeah. I'm all about and the I... like Instagram posts to Facebook, and it's just like. Uh-huh. Just easy. Boy, it all comes from Instagram. So you don't even have to go there. Just post there. See, yeah, that's, that's a boomer thing for me. For me to say that, like, oh, you can just 
post on Instagram. And you can post links on Facebook. Yeah, do I yeah. have to open a PDF? It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> Casey still has to send yeah, yeah. me. Oh, sure we know that. I know. Casey, <laughs> Casey has yeah. to send me a special email with the link for each episode because I still don't know how to sign on to my social media on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> The password issue. It doesn't have any tires on it, so you can't sign up. Maybe on I'm it. just I'm maybe, to be on Facebook, guys. maybe the reason why I'm on Facebook I'm staying on Facebook is because that's that's where I should be. I'm just with the boomers, dude. It's also a habit, dude. It's just it, it is, is it's such a habit. A habit. <laughs> it's a an addiction thing. Oh, totally. You know? yeah. Hi, Chris. Um, yeah, all right. I, well, yeah, it's designed that way, right? With the likes and the message interactions in general is all this this uh, 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 it's creepy, fake currency the of reels, sorts. The, the reels on Instagram are way better, though, than Facebook. And it's, well, Instagram's you know, more like instant gratification. Yeah. You just like see the picture. If, if you want to read what they want to say, then you can click, okay, I'll read it. But if you don't, you just fucking keep going. My my yeah, big my my big college stuff. try my big college try for the show every week is doing uh, stories. Should I not be doing stories? Should I be doing college. reels? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Just, anyways, it's a diesel so, diesel. I don't know. Yeah, so, so John. Yeah, so uh, John, you have an incredibly uh, aesthetic uh, background. It's it's every time. It's very and, and and when you zoom in. Uh, you can see the outside that's the actually New York City. Oh, oh damn, that's nice, cool, dude. That's, mm. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to compliment your, uh, right your it's like a cozy New York apartment. It is, and I did not write any of these books, <laughs> and I haven't read any of them either. How, I was gonna say, what how many of you actually read? None of them. <laughs> is it like Jeez. where you, they're already there when you move in and it's like part of the apartment? Yeah, um, they're just a, it's just a picture. It's not, yeah. they're not even real books. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just covers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm in a model You're apartment a right now. Mm, it's like no. fake amps on the stage. You know, there's no speakers in them. Yeah. 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 How many, how many, uh, how many cabs are they actually using? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. keep it up. What was that Tama uh, equipment, by the way? Is that That's a, a Tama model? rhythm watch. Man, that is an old school piece of equipment. You know, What's that yeah, for? Yeah. That's it's all a that metro- I'm like. sorry. It's a click. It's a metronome. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Real back for sure. Yeah. Thought it was a label maker. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you use that currently in your in your setup, John? Oh, nice. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I was like, "Cheers, dude." <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't. I have it. I don't know why. I, I pulled it out of. I I got into a box of stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, damn!" There's my rhythm watch. Um, nice rhythm. You know, every watch. now and then, you just okay. go through a rant. You go. You. you, you take an errant turn in your house and you run into a box and you open it and it's full of all what what's it i don't know this, watch. are those sticks next to you as well those are sticks what size sticks are those that is that is standard 5b long by minel stick and brush company man you want to go somewhere go to that yeah those are amazing because nice. i was using like this crazy custom sized scorpion drum stick mm-hmm for a while and it was really cool it was a 17 inch it was a 17 inch uh 5b with a mm-hmm. that was cut from a 2b so it was a 17 inch 5b with like a 2b fucking front so the whole thing was just mm-hmm. and yeah. you know my main man over there at scorpion is no longer there so i was like hmm so i got got out of there and went over to minel because minel's a fucking wonderful company mm-hmm. you know Sick. Oh yeah, that's cool. So, all right, 
let's let's dig into you a little bit dude i mean you've obviously from the beginning of hearing you play it was it it grabbed me it's not real (laughs) (laughs) and it was uh it was on a relapse compilation i've mentioned it numerous times on the podcast but um was it contamination is that what they called the yeah i think that Contamination, contamination was a big relapse thing at that point in time. Yeah, there was multiple versions, you know, multiple comp- compilations. They used the contamination uh, moniker, and yeah. uh, it was just a way to dump a bunch of their bands on you in one yeah. release. You know, Let's well, everybody you... was doing that. You remember the at Death's Door compilations, and oh yeah, Death is just mm-hmm. the beginning and all that. You know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that... they put us on that, and then they put us on the Contamination tour in 2000 with Exhumed and, um, nice. Exhumed and Today is the Day and Deceased and uh, da 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 Carnage. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. A, it was okay. a gr- the heyday of relapse. Like I, I, that era of relapse for me is I cherish it so much. Even I mean, pre that too, all that stuff from the inception of relapse up until that point and after, I I uh, I cling to that a lot during my you know adolescent metal years you know as a way as as a guide like we always talk about humans that would guide us but you would also be guided virtually through compilations and and other things through record labels would actually grab your hand and and here come through my garden and see all the shit that we're growing over here you know i'm on the street team um (laughs) (laughs) you guys so who here is i don't know if you relapse message board were you a part of that era yeah the, oh yeah a little bit of that For i sure. mean we were more yeah, smn yeah. smn news and the Derek karate forum of course oh, the yeah. Derek karate forum of course yeah 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 that was yeah, that was the yeah. Shit. but yeah no i was on the relapse forums weren't you joel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah might have might have been just looking at maybe yeah i think that yeah, was 23 years ago now guys i know it's yeah. crazy yeah. but that that's how i came across your drumming and it was one of these things that i had never heard up until that point you know the gravity blast was foreign to me um uh just a lot of your your style was was something that was i i needed to continuously listen to get you know a, a taste for it not that it was something that I didn't have a taste for when I first heard it, but I'm just saying, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you get this new thing. You gotta, you gotta acquire a taste for it by continuously listening and understanding. So yeah, that's, that's what I was going through with origin and uh, the hyperactivity of the band. And, and now later, you know, having a taste for it and realizing the brutality of origin too. Not a lot. I don't think a lot of people talk about how brutal, origin really is you know it's all no, about they get, the speed, speed thing they get caught with the speed thing they get caught with the speed and the shred and all that but yeah. when you guys settle into the groove that 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 was something that i you know in my cramming for this episode realizing with you know a lot of origin stuff is why don't we talk so much about the heaviness but i am getting ahead with this i'm just basically doing my intro of where i came across you and and why i love your style and and how how that style got me ready for so many other bands as well and uh so thank you for giving me that upgrade 
and <laughs> upgrade. <laughs> yes, dude. And and Anthony but two point oh <laughs> for yeah. sure, dude. And but really, you know, if you you know the show, how we like to go, we go back way before that, dude. Childhood. Let's let's hear about well, some childhood. I'd like, before we get into that, like I okay. just wanna I wanna say something really quick. So like John, dude, we played shows together and stuff, but I dude when I was <laughs> so young and stuff, man, I had like you were you were like a huge, I mean, still to this day, like one of my favorite drummers, like in metal and like and uh I, I, I remember when it was just like oh my god origins play like you know when in infinitus or whatever it is like the iii came out like i was just like dude that shit was like the craziest thing we had, like all of us had like ever heard it all like i just was completely blown away this is all before in time begins and all that kind of bullshit you know and all that and like was it was one away again today dude, listening to it dude. yeah and like in the, the gravity i mean everything was just like man what the fuck but i mean i used to go see you back in high school and you played skinless and all that stuff like i've been i mean mm. so many shows back in the day but Jesus. yeah it's i don't know i just uh it, it, it's you're such a huge influence to me like like getting into metal like back like in the late Thank 90s you. you know and early 2000s you know do and, you uh, i yeah. know you played it joe i wasn't sure if you were there or not but i think it was 2000 st louis oh yeah 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 Casey, we were there. You, Anthony oh yeah too. That was yeah. everybody played. Yeah. That. Origin, decrepit birth, was odious. Um, was it? Two thousand. Vile six, was yeah. there. Yeah. Vile, deeds of flesh. Yep. That was that, the first that was time. The bloodletting tour. We met up with yeah. you guys. Right. And yeah. the promoter just sat at the bar and got drunk the entire time, and then, and then didn't disappeared. Pay anyone. <laughs> well, remember Dude. there was there was a, that there was, was a, a whole tornado. There was a tornado that half, went yeah, half the city was out of power, and and so for some crazy reason that ended with this guy not paying any of the bands i think right i pretty much didn't expect Probably. to get paid when we got I there i was like oh there's two guys here it's All funny right. how <laughs> memories are but i remember we did actually get paid because i i think that we kept harassing him until his mom came and gave us a check or some shit like oh, that shit. yeah a registered check I, yeah i remember it was like this thing oh, we're and it was like two o'clock in the morning we had all just raged and played shows and and or played our sets and and whatever, but then no promoter to be found. Yeah, right. and and that's what I remember phone calls until somebody finally answered, said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna come down yeah. with my mom and give you guys a check." I don't even know if the check fucking cleared or whatever. I actually don't remember that part. Just check for twelve fifty because it came from his grandma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't spend it all in one place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that was what was fighting, what was working against us is there was a fest like an hour and a half or two hours away. That was a pretty big fest, and you guys were on tour. We were on tour, and the the book, you know, the the uh, what do you call it? They just book the show there probably not really thinking about what would be uh, they probably treated it as, as what you would call a routing show today yeah it's yeah. like here's a gas money show but but really it's like yeah we're fighting for our gas money right but, there and homeboy left without it but yeah half yesterday. the city was out of power if you remember yeah, exactly that. yeah, yeah. interesting yeah, that was insane i still yeah. remember james james lee like freight train coming up to us after we're leaving we're packing up he's all all right, guys. So don't go that way. It's gonna route mm -hmm. you that way. Don't go oh. that way. And we're like, we're like, oh, okay. We like kind of took it like half-heartedly, yeah. and then we went that way. <laughs> oh, you guys we like, it? Uh. Yeah, and like I remember we went, and there's like people like running up to our fucking like van. Like he's all, he's all. If you go that way, don't stop at the stop signs. 
and i was like holy uh, shit like because there's there's no power like it's kind of like lawless over there so don't do that. And we we did it, and we just tried to run stop signs. I rem- <laughs> I think I remember something like that because him and my buddy Chris Wilson came up together. Chris Wilson's mm-hmm. German of troglodyte, and they came in and they were telling they were saying something about how they came through the no power district to get to where they are. So uh, that 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 checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was definitely sketchy. I, I remember that, that night, tracks. John. You had like a. Uh, like a new kit or something that it was like a carbon fiber drum mm-hmm. set or something like mm-hmm. that. And you were showing me and I was just like, what? Like, it was crazy. Yeah. And I remember fanboying out. Cause I'm like, Oh shit, dude, we're playing with origin. John's back. In and, uh, and James and, King uh, was there. He was sitting there like watching on the side going like, right. oh. you guys were like, make, like making eye contact. So much stink. Yeah. Face, yeah. Man, <laughs> you play an echo. No, I was standing next to him. I remember I was standing next to him. I remember you'd be playing a part and you like, Maybe nope. you like messed up one thing. You'd be like, what, you guys would make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> and James King calling out uh, odious, uh, uh, like random songs that we had to do. Yeah, no, we had to do. Oh, like, really? Like we didn't yeah. practice them. He's all there's like fucking ten people there, so he's like, play this song. We're like, well, we know how to play it. Let's just try it. I guess yeah. <laughs> for James, yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, 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 actually, yeah. I also really have this random me- memory specifically of us playing at Irving Plaza in, in New York. With you guys, I think it was I, the same tour. I don't know. Maybe, we did Summer Slaughter uh, together. Maybe that was, just, on... was that Summer? No, that was like a because t- I thought we did Summer Slaughter with Origin, but was that Summer Slaughter at Irving Plaza? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even. Well, uh, the only time I did Summer Slaughter in Irving Plaza must have been two thousand eight or nine. Eight or nine. It was. That might have been it. It was the. It was the. They they had divvied. They broke the tour up into two nights. They put all the core bands. Yep, I remember that. They put all the death metal bands on Friday, and they put all the core oh, bands on yeah. Saturday. I think that was good, and yeah. that was actually how I ended up getting. That was the first time I met Chris from Minel, and it was like the sick one of the first times we got a full room origin chant. So it was just like, whoa, oh yeah. The band was falling apart at that, you know, at, at the end of that because that was eight weeks, seven weeks, fifteen bands. You know, and mm. we were all smashed into a, a van with, with no trailer. And yeah, that was actually the the, the last run we did with James Lee. Yep. Know, yep. Unfortunately. Definitely. But, you know, mm-hmm. that might have it might have been that night. Mm-hmm. James but, Lee uh, commented on my uh, post about this podcast and he was all looks familiar. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Sounds like a James thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. James, I still remember James, that. Like, yeah. Yeah, James I love is James. doing good. I chat with him from time to time. It, I, you know, he seems healthy. Makes me yeah, happy. yeah, definitely. I saw him. Uh, I saw him last June or July, and Over I didn't. Minnesota. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know how to handle it. I'm just standing there. I'm like, <sighs> like a mild anxiety attack, not knowing how to talk to James because I hadn't seen him in so long. Right. <laughs> He right. used to be the one initiating all the conversation. He would just come up to your group, "Hey, what's going on?" Hey, you know, man, like he, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great memories. He would always come up and talk to you about weather or the highway system. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he was like no, he one thing that impressed me about him is that he was always like he was like, I know oh, I drive all the I tried to drive every time and he's all I don't need a GPS for any like for the tour. He would just drive <laughs> through the United States and not need a GPS. Like he would like that, he prided himself on knowing all the systems it. and knowing how to he get. He had it. an atlas. Everywhere. Okay. He had an atlas, Peter. and yeah, I think he just no, he did not need a GPS, and yeah, wow. you know, and that was also the kind of thing that 
sort of kept him on track for a large chunk of the time I was in the band. But no, he would, uh, you know, he would go, we'd stop at truck stops and you'd, you'd see him chatting up a trucker or something like that. And then he'd just dig into his Atlas and, okay, cool. And then you'd drive us the entire way there. <laughs> That's crazy. You That's know, wild, whether it was, dude. you know, three hours, five hours, nine hours. And, <sighs> And it's funny we complain about oh yeah you guys don't remember uh map quest but this one was like <laughs> no dude just an atlas yeah yeah <laughs> i remember printing out an entire tour's worth of map quest yeah oh, dude yeah directions putting it in yep. a binder and yeah yep, exactly it's been the, the whole tour we used to do or the luxuries of like having a tour manager this. you get a, a file folder every night for the mm. next day with MapQuest and everything. <laughs> that was always the worst getting handouts from the tour manager of the MapQuests. That's terrible. It's like we got our own. It's fine, dude. You know. <laughs> you know. Too young for this. Yeah, dude. Totally. Shit. You don't know the I remember Matt, remember in Decrepit the first one we did where he had like Oh, Garmin. Uh, yeah, Garmin. He, had, he had like this Garmin, but it was like a like a like a like a, like the version of like a tube TV as a <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was like yeah. this big. Oh, it looked TV. like a tube TV. That's I mean, cute. it was. It had a, it had a we said it, it to Australian like too. We're like, oh, it's like they're all like Australian. laughing when it would mispronounce things. Like, like, oh. <laughs> I remember I drove like two hours the the wrong way and it just rerouted, and then it was just like, what? Go back. Well, that and thing. Then, that thing in Houston does not crazy. know what to do because of all the stacked yeah. freeways in Houston. It would just be like, oh, you're here, you're here, you're. It's like, no, go this way. And then just like fucking us in circles and shit. I think Houston and Atlanta have to be most impossible places in the country to drive. Exactly. I, I mean, agree. New York, of course. But I mean, and I don't what what's the giant highway in, in, in LA? The, the 405. 405. Uh, yeah. But you know, <laughs> um LA, yeah. But yeah, it's like um ooh, shit. Did you guys ever use Master Tour? Is that still a thing? Master Tour? No. Master, never Master heard of it. Tour. It was like yeah. a I, we had a tour manager at one point in time. He goes, it's all on Master Tour. And he waved his cell phone at us. And I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But no, Garmin, Jason, my vocalist, has like three of those things. And I don't. I think we finally got to the point um, on U.S. tours where we all just use our cell phones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. And nowadays, yeah. I bet you now, yeah. computers yeah, in your pocket. Back in the day, it's like trying to log into like, oh, dude, like, I'm I really phone, only like Facebook. And I'm like. It's all loading forever, and then you're like, "Oh, I got a message!" Like, <laughs> you know, you're like trying to like. I got a text message. Google Maps <laughs> or Waze. Google Maps or Waze. That's the only two things people talk about getting places, right? Yep. But nowadays, like, I mean, I use main Google, GPS. Yeah. yeah, Google Maps and Waze. Yeah, Waze. Waze is things like Waze tells you where all waves. Yeah, Waze tells you where all the cops are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's, that's cool. But but Google bought them, so they use them too. So it's, ah, it's all built in there. Blackberry. Google bought ways, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys Google ever have that. Blackberries? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, hell I yeah, dude. I like my Blackberry, Blackberry I Messenger. At uh, yeah, Blackberry Messenger was the shit. I had still a Blackberry. Hasn't been topped. Was it the Pearl or something? I, I still had one that had a full QWERTY keyboard. You didn't have to. The sick internet connection. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> now he's frozen. Oh, I was doing that too. We both zoomed at the same time. Uh, is it, is it good now or no? Yeah, it's great. Dude, it's working great. <laughs> Looks awesome. All right, proceed, dude. dude. The sky. You <laughs> guys take it from here then. <laughs> if I'm looking like a, if I'm frozen, why am I taking it? Yeah, you're you frozen and you're. You look good, dude. You got That's nice all I have. <laughs> 
Okay, now, now it went back to all five. I'll just leave it on there for the rest of the podcast. It's <laughs> epic. It's an epic. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, count, I'm gonna oh, do it again. He's just dude. that high. <laughs> yeah. So I, I gotta we ask hear- my, yeah. my drum question before this derails completely. Um, which it won't. It's fine. Pull us, pull us back on track, man. The Joseph's here for you. So I was setting up. I, I was tuning. Uh, I put new heads on my drums. Um, I play uh, extreme metal. Some of it's pretty technical. None of it is like complete. Actually, that's not true. Some of it is complete fast origin worship. How do you tune your toms for the tech death style Ooh. so you get that really fast attack? Yeah, do you do higher tension on the beater versus? Oh wait a minute! Are you talking about toms or are you talking about kick drum? Uh, both are. I'm not. I'm not worried about kick personally right now, but that is something. Oh, no, sure we should. We should address all these. I'm curious. It's, it's oh, to each, I want to know kicks, toms, and snare. I'm, I'm now. You got me all interested. So. Well, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I picked up the entire eight, ten, twelve thing from Derek Roddy. Wait. Mm-hmm. No. No, I picked I up the 20 inch kick drums from Derek Roddy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, 8, 10, 12. Just, yeah, I think I saw him do that. And I love that Tom's, too. I, you know, 8, 10, 12, they're smaller. Perfect. So, yeah. whoop. And I like to tune those mm-hmm. as low as I can. Okay. You know, so they basically go. Yeah. You know, and what I'll do is I'll usually start with my 16 and I'll tune, I'll put the heads on, put new heads on that, do the finger in the center, work out the wrinkles, mm-hmm. make sure that it's all. The Let's tones are the same on everyone, yeah. and then crank it way up. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that with all the drums. This is if, if if I have all the time, crank them all the way up, throw them in the corner, go get mm-hmm. lunch, or go mm-hmm. do something else. Um, mm-hmm. Come back and then detune everything down into place. And I'll usually start with the 16-inch floor tom, which I have mm-hmm. on my left. Mm-hmm. And I'll try and tune that down as low as I possibly can. How low can I get the 16? Mm-hmm. And then the 14 to step up, and then I kind of go up that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I try and get 8 and 12, 10 and 14, mm. 12 and 16 to make intervals or chords, rather. Mm-hmm. But nice. low tuning with two ply heads is my personal favorite. Um, mm-hmm. There's been other schools of thought, you know. When I came home from the summertime tour and I swapped out my drum kit, so now my reference kit is in my studio I'm here in Brooklyn. And um, the chrome kit, Betty, is in Kansas, this new new origin kit. But I mm-hmm. kind of I came home and for some crazy reason, I just I tuned them up higher. So they they sounded a lot more like um, like the toms on Dahmer by Macabre, which Oh man, I got a fuzzy camera now. But um, you're good. This is on the re- on the reference, the pearl oh, reference. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so those sounded really good tuned up a bit higher because they're the reference toms. So like, mm-hmm. I think the eight, like eight, ten, and twelve, they all got different shell compounds to you know to for the frequencies that they're supposed to do mm-hmm. you get to a 14 and they start putting african mahogany inside to warm it up and then you get to the 16 you got african mahogany and you got a completely round overbearing edge so it just goes bip. Mm-hmm. um yeah kick drum is uh medium medium high i guess i don't know 
naturally my kick drum kind of sounds like the kick drum on failures for gods by immolation mm-hmm. kind of bit 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 and i just try and make that thing as dead as possible because i like the you know i like the sensor triggers the most i like the rtk 30 the most yeah that's what i got too and i, I mean i have the uh foot blasters but um i went back to the on uh, the 30k i have the on triggers and they're great but mm-hmm. you know what's it like touring uh, it's like every atmosphere is different mm-hmm. most importantly whether or not you're going to have uh, like a flat wooden surface to set your drums up on you're gonna have a right. flat concrete surface or you're gonna have one of those terrible bouncy risers you know yeah, yeah. Exactly, which makes yeah. which makes your bass drum pedal and uh, yep yep you get floppy on those weird stages i know yeah floppy mm-hmm. yeah this was uh this was covered extensively in the very enjoyable episode you did on the copper crab podcast and i got a lot out of listening to that one too yep. um, yeah dude. which nice. i would uh i would refer our listeners to as well if you want i even. didn't know he was on that honestly oh, yeah. yeah that was that not was that long ago yeah. Oh, sick! Fuck yeah! But you've you've done I'm a whole Europe it. tour since then, so I'm sure we can talk about yeah, new man. stuff too. That but, was a uh, lot of fun. Just quickly on the drums, uh, the tuning. So, um, do you do you consider the resonant head and how to tune? I forget the name of it, but the, there's some sort of uh, technical term for how tight it is compared to the batter head. Do you take that stuff into consideration? I try and get them at the same the same pitch. Okay, so you just aim and for. Uh, yeah well i i typically do the bottom head first maximum resonance between the two that way right i don't know why i do the bottom head first but i try and get everything the same i try and get the top head and the bottom head to be the same pitch same pitch around the you know things boom get that going Mm -hmm. and depending on how it wants to react then i'll you know adjust either the bottom head or the top head a lot of guys like to you know as you're to get really dorky i don't know how true this is this is old knowledge and this is before um, Evans released the 360 stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. drum head technology has moved since. But a lot of people, when their bottom heads, because who changes their bottom heads? Right. Yeah. You know, but those things dry out, I guess. So as your bottom heads would dry out, people would start bringing them up, hmm. you know. And, yeah, so you it's like as your bottom head became less and less um resonant you could just bring it up a little bit and you'd have a different sound but you would have a serviceable sound by bringing your bottom head up higher than your top head mm-hmm. so i think that's probably where that comes from but hmm, as far as i go i tune by ear i put my thumb in the center and i get the wrinkles out and same thing on the bottom mm-hmm. um then i'll bring it up way high for a bit and then i'll bring it down so it's you know so it seats mm-hmm. i don't know how important the seating is these days because remember when you'd use the uh, Remo heads and they would make that cracking sound? You guys ever deal with that? Oh, yeah. I know. Evan's yep. heads don't do that. So I don't know how important yeah, it is. But I like the hoop is so different. Look at it and just make sure it's got the same gap around. Is the, the, yeah. I'm sure that you're going to answer this the way that I think you are, which is the order that you do it. And is it like a star pattern? You always got to go across yeah, one and around just... you do you can do multiple yeah, right? yeah. you want to do star pattern when the heads are brand new exactly at least yeah you want to do sure. star pattern to make sure you have the same tone happening Initially. and then from there you kind of go around and listen to it and you know 
there's drum Ooh. dials out there there's tune bots there's yeah all kinds of things and i just kind of learned how to do it by ear yeah you know i watch I just, drum techs watch a drum tech tune drums don't watch yeah. a drummer tune drums watch a good <laughs> drum tech malta malta is he's he was the drum tech for behemoth back in 2003 and i got to watch him tune drums and that you know drum techs know how to tune drums drummers don't <laughs> right this this, this time around i just i loaded uh i loaded the get good drums invasion kit on my software and i just tuned to the drum software that i'll probably be sample layering with just for uh compatible tuning what and is I thought that worked good pretty drums? Good. That's a software uh, uh, company uh, done by the Periphery guys, and they use their samples that they take. Oh, so it's samples. Any... Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's VSTs, so it's it's a full. You can program with it. You can have it play. It, it's you know up up there with Superior Drummer. It's a basically a Superior Drummer. Um, I have Trigger. Software. Yeah, that's Trigger. Stephen Slate, right? Stephen Slate Audio Center. I got it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's top of the. Top of the line stuff. It wasn't that expensive. I mean, yeah. John, have you ever heard of? <laughs> obviously, you've heard of the Evans EC2 and all that kind of stuff. But but have you ever tried just the bot, like the the resonant EC heads with like regular top heads? You ever mess with that? So they have a little bit of. They're crazy. Uh, it's not extra coat, but like extra treatment around the edges. Well, of the, so the so that that like. That the Evans EC heads have that like you know like ring around it. It's kind of like pinstripe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. It's the better. The resonant track. heads that have those, not that like if so they have these resonant ones that basically have that ring, and so like they're like a one ply whatever. Um, and then the then like you can use whatever top heads. And Joseph actually showed me that, and it's because those resonant heads can be pesky, you know, and Ooh. it like creates this like insane perfect like they just are so easy to tune. And for me, game changing. Like I put them on all my drums now. Like and and I I just put like regular two plies on the top, like the EC two. I mean, yeah, I, I just regular G twos. What G2s makes a head? I, I do G twos on the top. Yeah, just regular, no no ECs on the top. Oh, you can get them in a six inch. Dude, those bottom heads are like Joseph. How did you figure that out? Or that was you? I just like... I just went on the Evans website and it was in their yeah. catalog. And then I just decided because you know how them. they can get wonky, like like bottom heads can get like those ones, like somehow like are less. I don't know. It's weird. They're like what makes to... a head resonant? You're saying a resonant head? Well, that, that's like, yeah. Go ahead, Jess. top versus it's, it's bottom. The one you resonant don't and batter. Yeah, the bottom so head is resonant. Is the one you beat and the resonant top one's batter. batter. Yeah. yeah. Evans EC Resonant Series features Dude, single ply of 10 millimeter film design with the ability sick. to correct tuning and consistency <laughs> while offering more centered pitch. <laughs> Increased resonance and dynamic range. This drum head features Evans Level 360 Seriously, technology for one ease tuning. So da, 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 da. That looks nice. I'm going to check those out. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, Spreading the good word. Secret for everybody. Check all out. my favorite death metal drummers. Yeah, I, um, I typically use G2s on the toms. You too. But, um, on the Betty kit, I put um, the black chromes, dude. Uh, mm -hmm. Like it's just like, oh, cool. and they're even deader. So you tune those down, and they're yeah. You know, we all kind of consciously or unconsciously are, are are trying to go for that late seventies disco tom sound. I think exactly, yeah. You know, where it's just it just sounds like well duct tape. 
it's like the hydraulic toms if you you know obviously you know like the oil in them and all that and it's like the like fuck those, hydraulic those are the, now you're starting to that's the opposite of which shit, because dude. what happens is the resonance like like the power from the drum hey man it has hydraulic goes away <laughs> yeah the hydraulics no the, those are oil there's like oil in between the plies like a two oil well, between I guess middle, I should. But, yeah. I guess I should have said that the hydraulics were better than a pinstripe pinstripe because the pinstripe had that oil in there too. So yeah, well, we're getting so. This is the nerdiest I think I've ever heard on this show right now. But dude. with gear talk, with gear talk, oh, no, but like, this, I, I love this. This is no, fascinating. I, knew, I never knew. I heard. I never knew I, about I, that. I read an interview about the the drum tech at one point for Danny Carey, like way back in for from Tool, obviously. And 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 like I guess he used to use the like the hydraulic heads on his toms on like these you know expensive sonar kits, and then like I guess his drum tech was like no, like you need to use G2s and like figured it like made it like different now he uses G2s or whatever. But like basically like it was a, a long article about it like why he, he was like not down yeah. with the hydraulics like he's like you can get more tone and and power from each drum by like not de deadening the batter head too much like basically. Do you guys know where Evans like drumhead started? No. Mm -mm. Fucking Dodge City, Kansas, man. I think. Mm. Like, Wait, you I think it's started. your opinion? No, I'm a hundred percent sure that Evans started in Kansas. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Let's ask Ch Chat GPT what the things. Are. I, ask Chat GPT. <laughs> I don't have an account. I thought you were going to say North Korea. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> um, I have a quarry in down the street, and I think they're in Buena Buena ah, Park. Roy Burns, is he still there? I have never been there, but I've driven by it, and uh, my school of rock has an like connection so that's what they sell out of the school of rock catalog but um i i'm an evans guy because of uh behemoth yeah. and nile and those bands that used them back in, I when i was impressionable yeah i don't know what got me into evans but i there was just one day where i just bought a set of evans heads because you know growing up in the era i grew up in you either played remo heads or no you know is that mm -hmm. kind of a thing yeah, coming from the midwest in the 80s there was a lot of there's a lot of those opinions, but at one point in time, I put, I got a set of Evans G2s and have not gone back since. So. Yep. Okay. So, uh, what about the, the snare, way, though? We've, we've broken the record. Snare. We've broken the record for the longest we've taken. We're almost, to get and we're somebody. almost done. We haven't talked about the snare yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Keep going, Anthony. No, I, he's because he's like back in my he's back at this time in my life. I used to do this. It was a good segue, but but the drummers yeah. need to know they're not the drummers. Right. One more. All right, that's fine. <laughs> we're gonna, fine. We're gonna go fine. here. I want to finish. Well, this is great... I, don't know. I don't I don't care. This I want to hear this gear talk for sure. Oh. So snare. What was the next gear talk question then? Snare 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 and snare, snare head. I like the Evans reverse dot power center top. Um, with whatever hazy 300 500 at the bottom whatever. i i have no science on that i have about a dozen snare drums and they all are completely different weird drums uh i think i have the the uh, uv something on my oh the uv2 yeah i have yeah. the uv2 those are cool i have the uv2 on on my reference wood drum and that's what i'm using right now um i don't know it's like it's uvhd cs double it's like oh, hdmi yeah. head like, hdmi it's the 4k drum head like 4K. Like, dude um, the 8k is coming out next year dude no i had you know what i had a reverse dot single ply 
on mm-hmm. my reference yep. steel, and reverse that was completely right. lethal. Yeah. So those are lethal. Yeah. R two D two head. I could take a bullet. <laughs> and then the last thing is the six. So I I have this other memory of you showing me your reference kit when you got that at Irving Plaza actually and you were like showing me the snare and you're like dude this and then later I worked at a drum shop like in San Jose and I was like oh that's the snare that John was showing me but it's like that so explain how the ply so like ply is like how thick like a drum is like how many like layers of wood or layers of whatever material right and so kind of like toilet paper you have single ply and two ply exactly mm-hmm. dude yeah perfect <laughs> analogy so explain just and then this is the last gear talk question about drums explain the the pearl reference the whole ply system of how that would because dude <laughs> it's funny it to me it was so sick dude. it's i my, my my knowledge you know slip at this point because i don't know if it's 20 or if it's 22 plies but it's maple and birch and yeah, the thing is an inch and a half thick about. And so you, you look at it and it's, yeah, it's just like. Like it's, a crazy triangle that goes like into like, like, like the drum itself, like the wood concaves in and then comes back out. Like mm-hmm, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's um, any drum that's that thick, it kind of, they kind of, they're weird to tune because it's a 14 inch snare drum, of course, but mm-hmm. then you go in you go in an inch and a half so it kind of operates like it, it it operates like a bizarre 11 and a half drum because that's the channel so it, it's a bizarre right. drum to tune mm-hmm. but it's really fucking cool that's i have uh i also have an old mrp snare you remember those guys um no wait so let me do, real quick to just add to what you just said real quick did the the head stretch over that inch and a half section that you're talking about is that what or it's does four no it's a 14 inch snare so as far as the head's concerned it's just a normal 14 inch snare okay but it is like that thick the wall the shell wall itself and i know so but the head goes over the top of that wall as picture. well we need a picture dude i'm trying to find i'm i'm, I'm trying to just picture it in my uh, mind, a picture of of how the ply i'm like looking on like a pearl reference snare yeah, it's like so insane. To, I oh, represent here we go. the the no, dum dums in the the podcast listeners that don't know. Maybe I'm just the only one. <laughs> well, like, hey, there's got to be somebody else out there that has the same question as me. Does it go over that thick layer, or does it start on the interior of that? I layer? think that has been. Ex- I, that that, that sounds it? like it's been overly complicated. Oh, here we I go. know I got a picture of it. I think I I think I found it. Uh, let me share if it'll let me share. How do I share? Where is it? I can't. Oh, present is that what it's called? Okay. I don't know. Sorry, Mike. Your question derailing. Should I fucking present? I have something for, to present. Do you guys see anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah we see it. Blamo, there it is. You see? Oh shit! I tried to click it. And that was a mistake. Yep. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. It. Do, All right, yeah. Cool. On the right. Yep. yep. So that wood, see how that goes in so thick like that? Mm-hmm. It and goes like concaves. <laughs> so that means the head thick. does go over that section too, as well. Yeah, it has to go to the outer rim. That that metal ring that it it that tightens it. Well, that's you know, all the snares and like the hoop and stuff, but like the like the wood, mm-hmm. like it goes down. It's like a like a ramp. Like it's like it goes kind of 
inward. Oh, trip. It's not. Yeah, it's not even like centered. How thick it is, right? It it's centered. centered. The camera that took the picture of it isn't centered. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you go down, go down again like you just did, and there's another little picture in the center. Boom, right there in the center. Okay. There. Yeah. There. There. McGee. Yeah. There is the thicky dude. Yeah, there you go. That's All without right. a head All on right. it. T-H-I-C-C. Dude, that thing. And, and you told me, John, at the time, you were like, it's dude, it's it, it's great, but it's a one-trick pony. It's like it's super loud or something. I kind of figured it out a little while ago. It's very loud. It's very sharp. It's very quick. Um, and yeah. you know, like I, w- what I was saying earlier was that it's it's such a bizarre shape that it just mm-hmm. requires a little more tuning patience, really. Um, but, but you know, I mean, it's it's a fucking cool drum. You know, I, I it's it's yeah. my main snare here in New York right now. Um, the kit, the so- snare that I have at a that's now lives over in Kansas. It's a it's a reference again, but it's steel. So mm-hmm. it's five three five millimeters. It's cast steel. And man, it might be louder. Oh yeah. I kind of kind of got into a a steel or a metal snare drum thing when I was uh you know doing my first rehearsals with Hate Eternal and he had the original Tama mm-hmm. Stewart Copeland snare. Oh shit. And we were yeah. just like woo Zam. So now I have like four metal snares. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I love it. Well, that okay, so what are the differences between metal metal and wood then? Metal is like generally louder and has it has a really nice sound with the snare at the bottom. So like the Ludwig Superphonic is kind of like the gold standard. Then of course there's the Black Beauty. Mm. Like L- Ludwig metal snares basically are like the general kind of best snare drum like in like from i don't know like old and then there's like wood snares as a whole different thing but you get that lovely like like milky buzz and everything from metal snares like it's just and then of course the crack is a whole nother i just find them to be more aggressive Mm -hmm. you know wood snares are just gonna have a little bit more warmth to them and they're Mm -hmm. gonna have a little more friendly probably friendly tones sure um, you know, but there are a, a lot of metal orchestral snares too, and you can't really be loud and obnoxious when you're playing an orchestral snare. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, you have to be super actually, controlled on this. Yeah, I have a 1976 Ludwig Acrylate. Oh, sick! And that sounds yeah, it's rad. A, it's a pretty killer drum. It's <laughs> an aluminum shell, I think. How yeah. how loud how loud do you need your snare to be in origin, or how how loud do you need it in different contexts? Like, have you ever been in the studio like this snare is too loud or uh vice versa i guess no no can't get too um, loud he's like no it's not no i mean <laughs> look who i'm competing with you know yeah paul ryan has four guitar has four mesa cabinets and two basically 90 90 heads on stage Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Rattan has a JCM 800 half stack and a triple rectifier half stack on stage. These guys play jet engines. They don't play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, so the Chinas have to be up here at their ear level. Right, you know? for sure. And you... <laughs> oh, man. 
those guys are so loud. Oh, I want to talk about your symmetrical setup too. I don't know if it's too it's early. Not that it's symmetrical. I don't know if it's too early. We're an hour in. We have so good. <laughs> I love it though. But when you like you pioneered that in metal. I mean, it's not perfectly no, symmetrical. This is all good. Yeah, I love all this. I took yeah. it from Terry Bozio, really. Oh, I mean, at least way back in the day when I had like 12, 14, 18, 18, hi hat, ride, ride. It's just like, the gotcha. the big line of chinas up top was a was a, a terribozio thing. Oh, okay, cool, man. And then yeah. I just kind of realized that you know on stage, or in a live setting, or even in a death metal setting, in general, mm-hmm. at that tempo, no one's going to be able to tell the difference between an eight inch splash, ten inch splash, twelve inch splash, twelve inch mini china, fourteen inch mini china. You know, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and then bang, because somebody has to have a stupid ice spell on the kid. <laughs> ice spell. Uh, yeah, I've I've since fallen out of favor with so the ice weird. spell. It just it sounds like something else. It doesn't. It never sounds like part of the drum kit to me. Mm. What's well, the ice spell? Which one is that one? Well, it's how, the big what, cup, you know. It's the the Zill bell. Oh. Well, no, the LP, still, uh, the LP yeah, bell that John Merriman used to use. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? Yeah, and yeah, he, now the Zill bell, he, which has to come before every breakdown in existence. Yeah, that's what I have. That's what I could get. I think they just made a dark, <laughs> the dark bell, which I'm interested in trying. Dark bell. Uh, that's what they're calling it. Was it Kabong? I've always tripped uh, on people to put those on their ride symbols, like pointing up, and I'm like, Ricky what? from Discord. I tried to copy that. Yeah, with the upside down, the upside down bell. Yeah, the upside down bell on the ride. Yeah, I don't know. I was I always know. like, I skeptical uh, of that. I knew a drummer that starts with a T. He might be in the chat. He had that setup going for a little you, bit. What are you talking about? You say Troy Fullerton from Saber Savior. I know a drummer <laughs> that his name starts with a T, and he would put a fucking saw blade on his kit. Look at that. Uh, oh, yeah. With the Loreno. Loreno. Little TL. TL. Yeah. And he was telling me this funny story about how he would go into hardware stores with one drumstick and he would be tapping on a saw blade. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. No way. You just all ding, ding, ding. It's like. Is this guy with the drumstick in the drumstick like in Home Depot? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw them play with Nile, like you know, when I was six, and, and still in high school at that time or whatever it was like around, you know. And I was like, Jesus, dude, he's got saw blades on his kit. Like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> so good, they killed it. Yeah, like, the can't... the Rototom chassis. Hey, Ian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the Rototom chassis works as a good dingling, I guess. <laughs> But. Okay, what? Um, why? Why did the standard drum tom sizes change from 12, 13, 16 to 10, 12, 16 over the last maybe decade? Well, my personal experience is my tom setup was always 10, 12, 13, 14 on my on my old premiere kit, and mm-hmm. I remember being at Morris Sound in ninety. Seven, either the end of '96 or the beginning of '97, tracking exterminate with Angel Corpse, mm-hmm. and Jim Morris would come in and he'd tune, and I just remember him grumbling about the 13. It's like this is you got to get rid of this 13. I go why? Because because you have 10 skip an inch, 12 skip an inch, next door inch 13. It, you can't tune it. One of these drums has to be out of tune for this to work right. Mm. 
he's just grumbling about tuning the drums, you know. And that just kind of stuck in my head. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? He goes, well, I mean, 8, 10, 12, and then 14, 16 makes the most sense in my opinion, in Jim Morris's opinion. <laughs> and then sure enough, you know, a few years later, I get on the road and there's Derek Roddy with 8, 10, 12, 15, which was strange, but we got into that same discussion and he was in the same point of view. And I'm like, oh, cool. So there's that. And there's also just like 8, 10, 12. It's kind of like here, you know, where the it just gets bigger and bigger. And the, the faster the faster the drums and the, the bands got. Because if you remember like 2000, you know, you had the old trench metal movement, Angel Corpse and Christian and Rebellion and, you know, uh, uh, Centurion and all these bands were just getting faster and faster and Cryptopsy, you know, Origin put out the second, you know, Origin put out Infinitas and like everybody was just getting faster. It was a, it was a race for a while. You know, Nile comes out with Chapter for Transforming into a snake. Yep. And it was the first time anybody ever attached 250 BPM to a blast beat. So all of a sudden oh, really? it was that. So I think as things got faster, and people just started, you know, considering technique a little bit more because that was really an, an interesting bit because, you know, you know, grindcore, there was basically no technique until Pete Sandoval, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Pete Sandoval kind of come out of grindcore, starts playing death metal, and he sort of brings the technique into the death metal, and people just went from there. And I think smaller drum sizes, less, less um, real estate that you have to cover, you know, my that, question is: Is wait, I'm, I'm, with the eight-inch drum, is that a scarier drum? It to is. Hit? It is, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like that's the target practice drum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, but, click, 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 yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that, and I, I play. You know, I call them the evens ten, or I don't have the eight on right now, but 10, 12, 14, 16, and I actually will put the eight on um, at some point. But uh, it's not just death metal drummers. It's like any standard drum kit sells. Danny Carey had a ten, had an eight ten set up for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the manufacturers probably decided alongside people like uh, Morris that yeah, this thirteen just it's harder to tune or it doesn't make sense with the other sizes. But I'm I don't want to get too nerdy, but like it's not just <laughs> one inch, two inch. Like it has to be uniform because like you're not just changing uh it's like the the circumference or or the the area right that's changing not so much just like an inch i don't see the the why uniformity has to be so important there um i don't know i think it's just i think it's more about you know fundamental pitch of the shell and all that kind of stuff because a drum shell has has a tone that it wants to sit at yeah and yeah so i think people so the 8, 10, 12, you know, 14 floor thing. Hour late. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We need, we need to appease Jedi grind. And What uh, does that yeah. mean? Murray, Murray from uh, Severed, he uh, he doesn't like the... Fuck, I don't, he likes like a he likes, jersey. He, he, likes, he likes uniformity with the podcast. He likes like... <laughs> he doesn't like when you stray from the path of... No, like, Murray, you don't get uniformity. No, like a, has, like a not while I'm episode. here. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uniformity. It has to be... <laughs> Would you like to do the podcast in Pro Tools? We can put everything on the grid and the clip. 
<laughs> no, exactly. dude. I, but we do really want to hear about your your past, dude, because it, like we we've been talking about the unique aspects of your playing and and the monumental releases that you've been on. So we want to know like how that all started, and and music love for music is how it starts. Where did you start getting actually interested in music? father was a jazz musician had jazz musicians in the house every day rebelled around the age of 12 got into kiss and iron maiden <laughs> judas priest went from there heard van halen oh heard along God. the van halen records this is perfect guys. um heard a slayer record okay i'm gonna cut you off real quick because you said van halen so you've been kind of actually in my eyes you know when eddie van halen started tapping and people were like what the fuck's he doing mm. when like we're hearing you play like back in the early albums i was like what the fuck's he doing how is he how was he going? So how was he speeding it up so fast? So I feel like there's a link between that Van Halen kind of like secretive kind of like technique. But he had to play a bunch of shows to make money because it's fucking death metal. But um, he would like hide hide like his like, technique from people, you know. And so I mean, is there kind of like a link there, like of finding the new technique or something? To yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of there's a I mean there's a lot of resident uh, Eddie Van Halen's story is it's deep and it's really sad and it's really awesome at the same time. But yeah, he had like the most crushing, like anxiety issues. He thought he was bad. He thought he was, but when he found this little thing that he did, so yeah, he would turn around. Yeah. Um, but he had also done like nine other things that nobody ever, like he invented the power break. Um, mm. And I don't know, you know, Eddie Van Halen didn't, you could say Eddie Van Halen invented the, the two hand tapping, but you got to go earlier. You got to go further back. You got to go back to Genesis. You got to watch Steve Hackett, who was actually tapping. Yeah. Nobody really gives him the credit for that because he was playing like artsy, weird artsy prog metal. So, no, I the one handed roll's not mine. It's George Flukes, mm-hmm. as okay. far as I am concerned. And he did that on the demo, and I had to learn it. I just happened to be lucky to be there and put it on an album at, at you know ninety nine. But no, there was always the thing with with growing up with jazz musicians and you know having those guys say so that's already in your, like it from the earliest memories there's yeah. jazz musicians yeah. and jazz going on in the house okay exactly and they didn't look like rock musicians because as i became you know as i understood you know start watching mtv and seeing all these drummers play like all that so that's why i I was never much of a massive swinger. Like, mm-hmm. that always looked weird to me. But no, musicians like Eddie Van Halen, like Trey from Morbid Angel, you know, these guys that they they almost like intentionally break things to to make shit interesting. And yeah, there's a lot of in, there's a lot of influence coming from that point of view. I don't really know what I've invented, but. In a lot of cases, I would see little things that I hadn't seen elsewhere, like Brandon Thomas from Denmark watching that guy play. Um, like the little discussions about doing, you know, double strokes on the feet on the Derek Roddy board, you know, and that just those little things that I thought were a lot cooler than what was being done in the mainstream. So, well, let's go really way before that, though, bro, because I really want to know about like childhood. I want. You're saying that your your parents or your dad was a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want some. I want. I want to find that root of all that stuff. 
in the childhood because it happened early obviously if it was just all always around at the house but kind of like give us that if you can conjure up one situation where you heard something you're like yo i need to pay attention to this how old you were and all that kind of stuff ah i was in first grade and we were standing in line at the end of recess and my best friend at the time shannon agan says you got to listen to this band called van halen and he makes really weird noises on the guitar um and at this point i wasn't I wasn't a jazz listener. It was just there. And, you know, my dad yeah. would put me in front of the record player and put headphones on and he'd, he'd play Miles Davis records, Steely Dan records and police records for me. As I was a kid, those were my favorites. And, <clears throat> you know, as grade school. And I, I remember coming home from school being like, something, something Van Halen. And my sister was there and she's like, uh-huh, that's cool and older sister older sister and mm -hmm. yeah she got me the van halen 1984 tape hmm. for my birthday mm -hmm. or whatever and i wore that thing out nice. and that's kind of where it went um listened to a lot of van halen and kind of got in and that kind of led into all the hair bands in, in the 80s and do you remember being into the percussion more than other aspects of the music by then or no it always rooted me out that i couldn't hear the kick drum the bass drum mm -hmm. on Kiss on, on Kiss Records, you mm -hmm. could sense it. I'm like, and right around that point in time, I think I must have, I must have heard something that was like more aggressive in metal that you could actually, you know, like I don't think the kick drum yeah, the was punch. really a lead instrument until End Justice for All. Correct mm -hmm. me if yeah. I'm wrong, anybody. But um, I mean, it does kick you pretty fucking hard when you're listening to Injustice like, for All. Well, like just like the, the the top end on it, like the the kick drum is as loud as the guitar and the vocals. Like when did that? Totally. So, you know. Yeah. Eight track. So, going through childhood and listening to this stuff, were you thinking about maybe wanting to pursue? Uh, playing an instrument that was never a second guess there's i mean that was just that was the only thing that like was it drums sense. all the time from the beginning yeah or, yeah, yeah. It, or it was guitar at one point I, I had a guitar and i was playing around with that but a friend of mine got better quicker so i just played drums um that's almost that's almost the van halen you know abbott story but i wasn't related to the guy but um no, there was a point. My mom is a nurse, so at one point in time, there was the, the concept of going into the medical field. But mm -hmm. I just kept playing drums throughout high school, and then man, I graduated high school. So talk about the first drum kit, the first drum kit situation. I don't remember what it was. It really? was something. Well, it, it doesn't. A friend it, gave no, to we're me. out of gear talk. We're out of gear talk. Just first drum about kit I bought was a Pearl Export. Getting it forever for whatever, and just being able to sit down on it and being like, "Oh shit, dude, I got a drum kit now." Yeah, that was a pretty quick transition, I think, to like because there was a drum kit that was given to me when I was a little, little, little kid by one of my dad's jazz musician friends, and I never played it. Mm -hmm. just sat in the corner and then eventually i pulled that thing out a handful of years later and then all of a sudden i started playing beats and then i started playing along to 
Van Halen and Kiss Records. Right. And okay, so that goes all the way into high school. Obviously, when's the first time you play with other people? Like, oh, you play guitar? Let's jam or whatever. That was in middle school. Okay. Actually, I had a friend named Sean, and he he was the kid that I referenced earlier that got better at playing guitar because we were both guitar players and we both had guitars and he just was able to pick songs up from the radio and play them like that and i was like "Ooh!" and so i have a drum kit we'll set it up tomorrow and that's kind of where that went um that must have been sixth or seventh grade maybe even mm. fifth grade um what year going, was that i don't fucking know man <laughs> um, i'm just thinking i'm just trying to like you know, I remember what was I remember, popular, you know, on the radio and all that shit at that time. That's I remember the picture. drum intro from Pound Cake by Van Halen. Okay. <laughs> being just insanely powerful and just being like, what? And so that was at the very beginning. So, you know, and I think like when it came to extreme metal, 86, no. Well, maybe. No. For a lot of carnal knowledge, it wasn't '86. Oh. <clears throat> um, it was in the '90s, but uh, like I think it was actually Cynic and Carcass that was able to pull me into more extreme music because. Like, How did you come across that though? My friend Scott Brown from mm. Kansas. He started. This is high school, and he started. You know, and he was interesting character. He he liked Bull Thrower. You like Napalm Death. You like yeah. Deicide. You just kept asking me questions. I don't know who these bands are. <laughs> kept playing this stuff for me. Um, but I couldn't. He was playing Napalm Death, Carcass, like Peel Sessions Carcass. Mm -hmm. and, like, and like the first Benediction record or something like that. I couldn't make anything out of it. And yeah, check out my heart on there. Um, At Death's Door 2. And the Aboric Form song came on, and all of a sudden, like, oh, these guys are actually, I could actually, I could hear what they were playing. Mm -hmm. So hearing that, right. and yeah. Necroticism by Carcass, and hearing that, and like, whoa, mm -hmm. now I get it. Then I could backtrack into Napalm Death, backtrack into Deicide, backtrack into Monstrosity, Morbid Angel, right. and all that. And yeah. then, yeah, Covenant came out, and... It's just weird how something has to Darryl. click, and then now you're ready yep. to listen to all that other stuff. Door is open. Yeah, it just, yeah. At death door. And I was 10 in 86 because I was born in 76. There you go. Wrong, Ian. Wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Ian. Damn it, Ian. What about Rain and Blood? Did that make an impression? Not until I heard. Um, no. It didn't at first, right? If and if you think that's fucking sacrilege, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> no, no, I not heard a leading question in any sense. I heard um, seasons in the abyss first, actually. Okay, okay, and then backtracked, of course. Um, seasons in the abyss is still one of my favorite. I mean, the second half of seasons is amazing. <clears throat> Season yeah, of the season. That, yeah, that was my... that was Joel's uh, AIM, dude. Yeah, back in the day, was, I mean that's a SOD. They did like a 
little LP called Season mm-hmm. the Obese. And I'm like, oh, I have to pick a new screen name for AOL. How about <laughs> Season the Obese? <laughs> you have mail. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm the only male. All right. Okay, so <laughs> that's my childhood. Yeah. Okay. So, so Covenant is Covenant is Covenant the all time death metal yeah. coming like uh, before we get to that I know what, album. I know what you I, I want him to answer that, but I also want to know how you stumbled across death metal. My friend Scott Brown, who I was in high I was a freshman in high school and he was a sophomore. Oh, it's the same guy. Okay. Yeah, and he just kind of like walked up to me one day and he I had a, a Ludwig sticker on my Trapper Keeper. Trapper Keeper, shout out, dude. Yeah, there you go, bud. <laughs> and um he just started asking me questions about drums and I'm like, I didn't have any answers. And then I had an Iron Maiden sticker on my Trapper Keeper next week, and he's like, Oh, Iron Maiden. Cool. <laughs> Do you like Cannibal Corpse? Yeah, I was going to say um, that. <laughs> it's, just, it's how it goes for everybody. You know? uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, uh, One-upping. Yeah, yeah. The, Actually, he didn't ask me if I liked Cannibal Corpse because I saw... This was the era when I, when Butchered at Birth first came out, and I saw that in the back of, uh, the back of a magazine. And it was the Butchered at Birth album cover, and it just said, completely fucking sick. And I remember just... <laughs> staring at it <laughs> terrified yeah like what the fuck is that um <clears throat> you know fast forward 30 years later and they're like the nicest dudes in the scene so right right pretty funny yeah we've had uh the pl- privilege of uh talking to paul and he was great dude paul oh, yeah. is such a down-to-earth regular dude you, Did know? you talk hockey with him um that, that we've done a hundred now we're on 115 bro you're gonna hit me on i don't even know what number it was you should have talked <laughs> hockey with him oh yeah when i met this from guys buffalo. how do you not talk hockey with a guy from buffalo because i don't <laughs> fucking watch hockey bro okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man but the, there's like bands like i remember when i first met cephalic when i was in high school maybe junior high school they were it was them and Soylent Green, and oh, they yeah. had they ah, had like Soylent. a they had like a hockey setup for the back like outside, and they would just set it up and just start fucking like goals and shit, and like fucking slap shots at each other, like fucking. They were way like they needed to practice. It wasn't like they like to watch the sharks or something. It's like no, we need to get our slap shot down. They were like <laughs> really going deep. In it was shit. Mighty Ducks that made me get into hockey, dude. And I did, I did the street hockey situation. You remember the little pucks that had the the balls in them that they're like, you can use these as street pucks. Oh yeah, you know. And we would do the uh, I forget that one where you called. put it up on the side. It's like the Happy Gilmore <laughs> yeah, golf cut. Yep, like it doesn't yep, really work, but totally, dude. The knuckle puck, dude. That's knuckle what it puck, is, dude. dude. Yo, guys, I think M. Gilbert just gave up his relapse message board alias. Oh, what is Bam! It? Look at that. Fox oh, grinder. no. Facts. Oh, for anybody that knows, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. No. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Oh, that's great. I Dude, shouldn't have put that one up there. That was not me. Just kept it. So, so I John. That took that path took you to 
morbid angel basically what you're saying is yeah it kind of did um he ran me right he ran you right into pete sandoval and you you were like pete defeats the shit i didn't really absorb pete uh morbid angel and pete sandoval until i joined angel corpse and gene palabiki really kind of drilled that into my head and explained to me what was going on Mm -hmm. once gene explained to me what was going on then just yeah and i knew i was incapable of playing death metal drums yeah (laughs) obviously at that time time because (laughs) you're very capable right now it was (laughs) but okay but then malicious intent and and that demo in 95 like how did all that come together like we like to hear about those malicious intent was a band that i had from 93 to 96 Mm-hmm. And it was some local dudes from Lenexa, Kansas, and they they were the they were ripping. It was like the only band that was wa- wanted to do blast beats and play really fast, like Slayer riffs and all that kind of stuff. And we went into the recording studio. We, we got like six songs put together, and we went into the recording studio. And at this time, I had my big Pearl export kit, kind of get back really quickly for Gear Talk, and it was. 8, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, over two 24-inch kick drums. Hell yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> That's a widespread right there. That's a Lombardo. <laughs> and uh, and it was funny because I didn't, I had never triggered before. But I'm like, can we trigger the kick drums? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. So what he does is he puts an SM57 in each kick drum. And then he plugs the SM57s into the, the DM, into the D4. Mm-hmm. And that's how we oh. triggered the kicks on that thing, and it worked. Damn, you know it was good. It was crazy. Uh, so that demo came out. Uh, yeah. It came out. We handed it out, and <laughs> I know that Joey Jordison from Slipknot had one because he remembered the red version. Hmm. And okay. Joey would call the house and ask for my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> and i remember her being on the phone she goes do you have any more of the red tapes i go no he goes he's asking about the red demo i'm like oh wow but just calling the landline yeah she would call the landline no, <laughs> like was, old school style dude yeah it was really yeah. weird um he's from the tape trading days come on give him some tape head. trading yeah, days yeah. in the midwest it was a small circle and, yeah. but I'm trying to remember. That's that's kind of the malicious intent story in a in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So was you know, that your first like somewhat pro feeling outfit that you were? There's nothing with? really pro about it. We just well, I mean, we were a local band. No, no, the first pro band was and Angel all that Corpse. kind of shit. The first pro so band that was, was before um, malicious intent. Then Angel Corpse wasn't. No. Oh, okay. No, malicious so. intent was my 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 teenage band that I played in after school. No, okay. I'm sorry. I'm saying the first time you felt that whole like, oh, we're putting a release together. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, that was really yeah. cool. That was like going into the unknown for the first time, driving my car to a recording studio to set up my drums. Totally. I had no idea what was going on. Right. Okay. So then, it, but from that, Angel Corpse caught wind of you from that or f- something else? Some guy at a party had the malicious intent demo and played it for Gene, I think. And then Gene looked my name up in the phone book and called me. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. I can't quite remember. (laughs) And he called me up and said, oh, total death metal. 
And so I'm like, okay, well, uh, he goes, want to come over? So I went over to his house that night, hung out with him, and two days later moved my kit in and started that. Wow. And so how, t- tell us a little bit about that, like getting into that, that um, outfit and also. That was comfort- interesting. That was interesting because there was a band from Kansas called Order from Chaos that we had heard about. And, you know, it was like, if you look at Order from Chaos today, you know, they're extremely problematic with some of their fucking topics, I'm sure. But back then it was just, whoa, this is crazy Order from Chaos band. And so one of the dudes from Order from Chaos was in that band. And Gene's like, yeah, I've got so-and-so from Order from Chaos in here. I'm like, oh, weird. So I went over there, hung out with those guys for an afternoon and then like two days later moved my kid in and we started practicing and we just bang 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 just nailed like nine songs out in the course of three weeks um tracked a little four song demo on a four track that was way too hot it was so funny it sounded awful it was just But somehow Hervé from Osmos liked it and offered us a record contract. And so there you go. Go to recording studio, record a eight song record. And that was Hammer of Gods. Put us out on tour. Um, went home and started working on the next record immediately. Um, worked on those songs. Got down to Mora Sound. Realized I was way over my head. And yeah, Public Assassin was killing and that's when the the story of like recording exterminate came out and they had to like completely rebuild the kick tracks and all that shit you were saying on fired the, from angel corpse Cheers. you were saying on the cobra crab episode that uh morbid angel was in the studio a yeah. recording formulas while you were yep. in studio b yes and this this connects in with malefic throne real nicely because we drove from Kansas all the way down to Tampa. Gene had already lived there for a while, but he was living in Kansas at the time. So he already had a network down there in Tampa. So we went down there and we went straight to Lee Harrison's house and watched monstrosity practice. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like oh, that yeah. before. Right. And, and, um, and then, yeah, we, Went to sleep, woke up the next day, loaded into Morris Sound. And yeah, more uh Angel Angel Corpse was tracking. We were tracking in Studio B with Jim Morris while Morbid Angel was mixing in Studio A with Tom Morris. And nobody had seen or heard Steve Tucker yet. Mm-hmm. So we heard it first. And that was pretty cool. And so lots of talking, you know, everybody getting along. It was really fucking cool. I met all the Morbid Angel guys. I met the Monstrosity guys, the Cannibal Corpse guys, uh, you know, a handful of other dudes. Tony Lariano was down there. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, came walking into the recording studio. <laughs> and, yeah, the problem was is I just didn't have the ability to play the songs at that point in time. So they did what they did to get the songs to sound right on the record. And then I went home. And a couple weeks later, got the call that, Tony was going to be taking my place in the band. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, uh, okay. You know, so yeah. well, and that was that, you know, I, I never faulted them for firing me either because I was not practicing. I was not taking it seriously and all that shit. So that was, there was never any, any ill will from me about that. 
Right. Um, I don't know why some of the people in that band needed to carry that and drag my name through the mud back mm. then, but they're not yeah. around anymore either. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of goes, I mean, when that stuff happens, you know, people have to have explanations for it. They're like, oh, I don't know, like, he fucking didn't and do most people, most people want to put it on somebody else, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, for the, my Tony Lorena, or Loriano, Loreno, I call him Loreno. Um story <laughs> was that he stole my shot in the spout, in the, the shower line once, at, in the, the medley in fucking Montreal. And I've never let that go. He just stepped right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I've told that story before. I was like, I was sitting there with my towel. We we're playing like the haunted and like, I, I was. Just, I think it might have been a summer slaughter or something like that. But like the haunted was headlining, and I'm disgusting. I'm gross. I'm like, oh fuck! I found the shower and I have my towel there. I'm all like excited, yeah, and then yeah. like I just turn my head for a second. The door opens and he just runs right in. I'm like, motherfucker! motherfucker I, <laughs> like for the rest of my life, I'm like, fuck. I am mad at you. We need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go like, through the channels and see if we can get them on the pack on the podcast. <laughs> Actually, we should do that, and then I'll, I'll bring that up to him. I want to confront him about the shower stealing. <laughs> Maybe he'll let you use the shower at his house or something. <laughs> I'm going to shower actually... the whole podcast. I'm just going to go in the like when the podcast starts. I'm just going to shower. That would be the most it. epic apology ever, dude. It's like. Joel's like, hey, live from fucking Tony's shower, dude. I'll just bring my webcam in the shower and I'll just be like, obviously, like from, you know, chest up and just fucking just shower like while we're talking. Like, yeah, what? Dude, didn't hear you because, you know, I'm showering. One time you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shit. Well, keep okay. going. I know. <laughs> I'll keep the, going. This, the, on this exterminate record. So fixing it up, it's, it's, is it, uh, Mostly just like replacing the kick yeah, tracks yeah. with with program drums or whatever. Yeah, that's like what every band does these days. So for that to be, I mean, that's what everyone does. It just uh, like... Yeah, everyone does it to an extent, but not to this mm. fucking extent. And not I when see. all of a sudden you didn't even really know that that was a thing, and then you're watching it go down, and it's your track. Yeah. And in the meantime, your uh, your band members are out there going, "You're pathetic." <laughs> yeah. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. um. No, it, it um, it's like, that's, that's fuel it, to uh, it was a definite push trial, forward. trial by fire kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know. mean, like you know, took it took it from there. I just I just only returned to that just because it's um, it's such a widespread practice now that it doesn't seem to carry nearly any weight to you know to me or anybody. Like I have recorded entire albums without a kick drum, just knowing that. I could not even play it if I tried because it's at 280 or whatever, and it's really? not worth trying to play it clean. You yeah. just recorded your hands. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Play it on a pad. I mean, I recorded the MIDI off the pad, um, and mm. it sounds legit when you like just play that track. It's like okay, like it's clearly, you know, it sounds good, but like, you know, you're going for something else. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the point. Well, that was kind of you know the thing was like, hey, I'm gonna learn how to play fucking learn how to play yeah. after i got kicked out of the band i was like never again fuck all these guys fuck tampa they're all a bunch of dickheads blah, 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 blah. um and eventually i joined another band then joined another band and met paul ryan from origin and you know we he had a much different perspective on it so i was able to approach again and yeah ever since then it's just like i'm never gonna record something i can't play live mm. been that way ever since Dude, that actually was a key moment in your career because it 
you didn't you, something happened and you're like i don't want this to ever happen again and i got my ass kicked you, you know it's it like, pushed that you was to the beginning of my career i got fucking right and i think that's actually great because it 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 you know we were talking about how other people react to certain things most people would quit when that happens but you actually took that and ran with it and became john longstreth dude well, it's not how many times you can get hit. It's how hard you can get hit and get back up, right? Isn't exactly. You said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It is, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it, dude. Football football references. We were trying to get those all out before. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Chiefs are going to win. That's that. Done. Done. I agree with you. Sorry. You know, and it's, <laughs> and, you know, and we're playing the Eagles. That's Eric Rutan's team. Oh, I know. I know. No, he he messaged me like, when we got like our our offensive coordinator went to be a, a coach over there, it was like fucking got your coach, dude. This guy's like he's still like I love the, the fucking Philadelphia style of like talking shit because they talk shit so aggressively, and it just makes me happy. I just <laughs> I get happy about that when people are like actually I watched, down. Yeah. I watched Eric. <laughs> I don't know where we were on tour somewhere. He had the laptop in one hand. And he's loading gear with the other <laughs> And the Eagles are winning. And he's so happy. And he's just ripping gear up the cabinet. Boom. Guitar head. Boom. Bass drum. Boom. Laptop. It was wonderful. It's a yeah, new level of strength. From yeah, it was something, man. Yeah. Hulkamania is live and well. Well, I, I'm glad they were winning. Because if they were losing at that time, that equipment probably would have... Not last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't you know, need to worry about that. But uh, I don't know. I hope, okay, he's not so talk- a, I hope he's not loading a van during the during the Super Bowl. Yeah, February twelfth. I hope he doesn't play a show or something. <laughs> is it February twelfth? Okay, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you were talking about uh, meeting Paul. So tell us about that. Man, he was just. He, I met him at a show, him and Jeremy, because, you know, they, they had Origin at the time, and George had kind of given them the slow fade at this point, and they were handing out demos, and they're like, here's the demo, and I'm like, whatever. Went home and listened to it, and I was like, whoa, holy mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah. And got to talking with the guy, and I'm like, I just can't, I kind of told him about what went down, you know, in Tampa, and this is only two years previous, right? Because he's like, I know you. You're the Angel Corpse guy, and I'm like, well, I was, but and uh, mm-hmm. so we started working on these things. He'll just so we'll, we'll just slow it down and repeat it over and over again, and we did. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And to get that, yeah, that just yeah. drill it in, just drill it in, and you know, from there, I kind of stumbled upon other techniques to kind of you know get me further, and yeah. Who? So did you? How do you? come across the gravity blast technique george did that on the demo so was it george himself that showed you the technique no paul actually told me how he did it he said yeah i think he goes like this and i just (laughs) he kind of does a thingy something (laughs) i'm like is he going like that he's like yeah and i'm like Okay, go home with that. <laughs> Mess with that for a couple of weeks, and sure enough, it uh, it worked. Eventually, I'm like, and it was really slow. I'm like, this is gonna be terrible. I don't want to work on this, but yeah, no, dude, uh, this is this is a 
what I love about getting ready for these episodes is I get to, especially for something like this where we're talking to you, I get to go back to something that I truly have nostalgia for. And those first, it, that first self-titled origin record is for me personally, like the perfect speed, dude. I like, think it's slow, man. I know, but <laughs> it's it is. <laughs> I know, but like it's we the left the studio going me it's a little slow. <laughs> I know, but I love I love the way that you sound on that record because that speed really highlights what what you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, you do crazier shit later on in your career, but I'm just saying for that that record specifically for me at that point in time. Yeah, and 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 talking about the heavier aspects of origin too, it 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 really shows on that album for me, and that speed just uh, you get rattled. It when you get too fast with the gravity blast, it becomes a hum. You it's, know, what I'm it's saying? impossible at some of the tempos I'm trying to hit it these days. You know? Yeah, exactly. But back then, you still get to be, you get to feel the vibration of it. You know. So that's just me being the old guy now. I'm just being the boomer the guy. Drums, the drums were really woody, woody sounding on that record. Mm-hmm. That was a man. That was a, a a a fourteen by three and a half pearl free floater with a K Fallums head on it. You know, I don't even know what that is. K <laughs> Fallums is a marching head. If you put a marching oh, okay. head on a on a regular snare drum, you're an idiot. But I did. <laughs> and I broke lugs off of it, but yeah, you no. Know. Is that yeah. is there is three by five? Does that qualify as piccolo snare? It's a piccolo, yeah, yeah, yeah it's like boop. And yeah, yeah. piccolos are fun to tune a little bit lower because they kind of go funk if you tune them, tune them, tune them a little bit lower. And interesting sounding drums if you yeah, tune yeah. weird things, or you just tune them up real high and then you just sound like Dave Matthews Band. But <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, three eleven. Ew. <laughs> Ew. The hard, yeah, hard snare. I mean, do you so okay outside of metal? Like, um, what what are you listening to? Like, because I know that you know I'm I was today trying to buy, uh, Depeche Mode tickets, but they were about a thousand dollars a piece. So I was like, Get actually, to. I'm gonna go ahead and um, uh, go ahead and skip so that. Yeah, but... I listen to a lot of rock and roll these days, really. Yeah. You know, if I'm just hanging around the house, it's I'm probably listening to Black Sabbath, Priest, or Thin Lizzy. I'm pretty much nice. stuck there. I got a handful of jazz records I really love. Thank mm-hmm. you. And um, ooh, Water and Tea. Are the jazz records um, you discovered on your own or uh, linked to Pops? Both. Yeah. Both. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to mention I, for the long for I mean, it's working in a, in a music school for a long time, so. You know, dealing with a lot of you know musicians there. Mm-hmm. What kind of Miles Davis eras are you are you doing? Foreign More is my favorite. Okay, I don't even know what era that is, but it's um, it's got Tony Williams on it, and the story goes is they had this gig set up, and Miles was already just gacked on heroin, and <laughs> shows up in a sports car, gets out, goes into the gig, and says to the rest of the band. I've donated the proceeds to charity. No one's getting paid. And so everybody was pissed. And so Foreign More is really interesting because it opens with So What, which is what opens um, Kind of Blue. Blue. 
yeah. but it's like 15 BPM faster. It's like, so the whole album is just, it's a rip fest. It's like probably the most ripping battle jazz records that exist. That and VSOP, the quintet, that's a great one. Smoking at the half note, Winton Kelly, it's a great one. I've never heard of battle jazz, but I immediately, that's an uptake right there. When you said that too, I was like, hmm, I need to get into battle jazz. I'll give you a list of records, man. Yeah, yeah, it's just dudes are just I think it's probably when like they all really got into cocaine. (laughs) 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 Oh, I mean like push the boundaries of this feeling. That uh that hard bop era from I think late forties, fifties, like Stan Getz and and crew. I mean, they were fucking flying. I really enjoyed that style. Dizzy, Dizzy, and uh, and those guys. Yep. Um, there's one record I have that's just. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, it's kind of like Whiplash. Is kind of like turn that into a mainstream. Who is it that did the art of bop drumming? There's an album or a, a that Art Blakey. That's art. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Art Blakey. Yeah. Yeah. That that uh that stuff's very entertaining dude to watch being played they're like hard bop yeah, yeah. I, I love i love bop drumming for sure dude i, Bap. I, Bap. I wish I, Bap. I wish we saw more of it in death metal to mm-hmm. be honest i don't know how you can really incorporate it the jazz tastefully. the jazz metal i guess lil from thing. from defeated he could yeah you can consider some of his styles coming from bop that Lil Gruber, that dirty Lil Gruber. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got the mindset for that. He or he Lil probably, Lily. I just saw him last week. It was great. Um, yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. And... yeah, I wish I I could. I had an opportunity and I fucking couldn't do it, dude. Bruh. Anybody who was at Blue Lagoon, I I hope you had a good time in Santa Cruz. Yeah, I just saw him in Berlin maybe three days ago. He was already off tour, but. He come and hung out, but the whole thing with jazz and metal is it's really interesting. It's because a long time ago somebody referred to Death Spell Omega as black and jazz. And I kind of got angry at that. You yeah. Because mm-hmm. I never I never understood like you go to a metal concert to watch four or five people execute what you've heard on the record, right? Mm-hmm. You buy the record, and if they get on stage and if they hit that record they hit those songs like a pinch faster and then it's on the album and they drag the slow parts down just a little bit and you might catch a couple of inconsistencies here but you know you've just watched these dudes execute what was on the album right and it's a presentation yep you go to watch a jazz you go watch a jazz show and you kind of go in to watch a conversation you kind of mm-hmm. go in to watch a handful of people Hmm. look at each other communicate and feed off of each other and work exactly. off of each other so exactly yeah so in that in that concept jazz kind of can't work in metal yeah and if it no, does all the metal heads are just pissed because then all of a sudden <laughs> the metal heads are like ooh, jam band boo, i guess the fundamental the fundamental aspects of jazz can work but really those a lot of this you know, it's like they, they repeat it like like a presentation, like he's saying, not I like mean, communicate like a conversation. If you got like a band show. like in, Imperial Triumphant, that is actually 
uh, a quintessential um, yeah, example well, of black and jazz where you have this improvisational aspect mm-hmm. to your music. And I'd love to have any person from that band on. I'm going to work on Kenny. Maybe we'll see Kenny soon. Um, you, should, you should get Kenny in there. He's great. He's he's a fucking he's one of the most unique drummers I've ever heard. And I've been in this shit for close to 25 years now. And and that dude's his style just don't, there isn't really anybody who like plays like that for me. And um so but yeah, that that improvisational aspect of jazz is that that true aspect of jazz that you're talking about if if you were to incorporate that into metal it would be something totally different than what people most people say is jazzy metal you know well the improvisational thing can get you in trouble as it has with me in the past because you start doing different things on the drum kit and all of a sudden it doesn't quite work in brutal death metal because it's such a I don't want to say rigid structure, but it's like if you start, hey, I'm just going to hit these fucking upshots on this China here all of a sudden and all this, the guitar. What are you doing this for? You know, consistency is key when it comes to, you know, metal, I think. So, yeah, you can do little things here that are different, but you really kind of got to stick to the script in order to keep the entire band on track on stage. Otherwise, a lot of people just think you're being inconsistent and being sloppy. Yeah, I think you're kind of like improv. You can see the improv and see the look back. See the this stage was a conversation I had with John Gallagher from Dying Fetus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he yep. was just like, hey, man, mm-hmm. can you just yeah. like play the same thing every night? I know it's boring, <laughs> but we're kind of relying on you to be the foundation. And I was just like, yeah, I can do that. And I just remember that <laughs> clicking. And I'm like, damn, that guy's cool. You know, <laughs> the very, be- very beginning of, 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 of my run with Fetus, and he just kind of like, okay, sure, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good, that was a good lesson. So, totally, dude, and and yeah, to be a chameleon in certain aspects is why you've done so many great records that are all totally different styles of music, you know. So, I really want to get into how you became that though like what was it that one specific the angel corpse thing that pushed you to get to where you're at you know is that really that main thing or what were you already on your way to that before that well the angel corpse thing just made me want to be able to play death metal correctly yeah you and know? i don't mean to bring bring it back to that because i know all right it's, it's a well-known story but I don't, I don't know, man. Like I ended up, I just kept wanting to try other things. So I had a quick little foray into hardcore when I was, when I joined the red core for a minute and that was weird. Yeah. Um, what what era was that? Was that red cord was red cord was 2004. It would have been between fused together and revolving doors and, client. and clients. Okay. Yeah, they were. Was that really hardcore though? Was that? It seemed like it was kind of progressive, weird, avant-garde metal. It wasn't like it was in the hardcore scene. No, I would call it. It was core. You know, I would definitely call cores in there. And if if you look at deathcore, like how people describe, you call it deathcore because it's kind of more death metal than hardcore, but it's got hardcore elements. 
I think that red cord was like this thing that had more hardcore elements at times, but they were more death metal at times. Was, there was no death core back then. There was no, it was only like your no. hardcore or your death metal. It was like, there's no death core that had not been established when fused together came out. That was just like a weird, yeah. Well, kind the of red core thing, like it was the, um, some metal and hardcore festival DVD that red cord was on that I first watched it. So it was already like, mixing core and and death metal at that time i mean they were fused between door the whatever that album fused together revolving doors when i was in that band they were just really big dillinger's gay plan and crowbar fans right interesting i think they were just kind of i don't when i say core it was just maybe it was just it was more of a massachusetts boston feel in that band yeah yeah mm-hmm. and like kind of feel yeah exactly and the <laughs> bands that we went out with were you know what was going on there was a lot more a, a lot of emo shit was happening at that point in time like the hairdo was happening and there was a lot of yeah. hardcore everybody was playing a four-piece you know with the flat symbols and just smacking the china dun, dun, dun. china 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 mm-hmm. a lot of that um and then after yes because there was like a, a really quick span where i did the skinless record in 2003 went out with and then i filled in for exhumed for a couple of tours and then i went from exhumed to the red cord for a couple of tours and then i filled in for dying fetus for a tour and then reconnected with paul and then rejoined origin gotcha so, so in between you, uh, the time was when james was playing drums yes Okay. So were you discovering these bands as you were right. getting gigs, or did you already know about these bands before you played with them? No, I already knew about Exhumed and Dying Fetus and But, the, cord, but red the Red Chord was a new thing. A buddy of mine named Dean was like, you need to go play drums with the Red Chord. I've got a connection. Go. And I was like, okay, and I did. And <clears throat> nice. Yeah. So that was quick. I went up, uh, did some rehearsing with them, wrote two songs with them, did a tour with them and then we decided to we decided to exit from there because... those two songs did either one of them make it on clients uh ant-man which was actually already written before i got in there but ant-man and hospice residents i think okay. were the two songs that i was helpful with that nice nice clients is a killer record dude so being able to contribute to any part of that is it was an interesting time it was different because like the shows were different because nobody drank nobody partied yeah but they all bought like you know you go to a metal show and at the time i was used to a dude buying four or five beers and a couple of shots and a t-shirt and a cd yeah Mm -hmm. and went to these red core shows and i can't remember the other bands there was some band that had like the 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 address to the Simpsons or <laughs> and then some other band. I don't know. They were very 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 sad sad boy hardcore. But like all the fans were both they were younger and they didn't drink any alcohol, so they bought four t-shirts and three CDs and a poster. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Dude. I was like, "Whoa." <clears throat> and the crowds were that's right. the crowds were a lot more pleasant because they weren't drunk yeah the crowds were also a lot more shitty because they were sober <laughs> yeah. so 
the double whammy like policing each other kind of thing like definitely some double whammy shit happening and like like culture crew existed at that point in time or whatever uh, Mm -hmm. carriage crew or yeah cruise that was the thing back in the day it was like like a sober crew that would beat the fuck out of people and yeah carve their drinking a beer yeah that's ridiculous courage crew i think (laughs) crew I'm gonna get beat up now. Courage crew. <laughs> <laughs> you think crazy, all of those crews are still surviving? Parkway Drive like... and Evergreen Terrace. Thanks, Chris. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're they're still thriving in their little bubbles. I mean, Red Cord yeah. got back together recently. They did a show and they had a big old American flag logo. So. Yeah. I mean, guys. A uh, guys, a police officer now, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? A, a, a death metal, or like a, I think of him as a kind of a death metal singer, but as a, just he jumping is. to that line of work, just like you know, like it's that was very actually interesting. That was actually a vocalism I was wanting to hear in the like just straight brutal death metal realm. I wanted to see Guy do a side project where it was like some Suffo influence shit. Dude's you know? got a Dude's got a killer voice, no doubt about it. Killer, definitely, definitely. I mean, in the deathcore realm, it'll be like him and like Phil from Whitechapel or something. Like, see him do a actual death metal album, you know, like straight ahead, not deathcore. Just because a lot of death metal singers, like the newer ones that are coming out that we put on the show, they're like, "Oh, Phil is a big influence." And I'm yeah. like, I knew he was a great singer because of the tours we did with them, but I didn't know like he's now influencing a lot of death metal singers. Like coming forward now, just like his big lines and par- sentences he does in one breath, kind of thing. It's like that's the new gravity blast doubles kind of thing for singers, you know. Big old full circle, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that, and that that kid that's in um... Lorna, Lorna Shore, probably. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't you know, heard that band, but I've heard I've been seeing that name a lot lately. Lorna Shore. We toured with them. They were nice dudes. I didn't get much out of their music. I don't quite know. I think it's it strikes me as a lot of demo worker with with hardcore moments. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's what I thought. Mm. Yeah, and that's about where I can. That's where I go with it. Okay. For me, I think there's they're, they're like I feel like it's a it's a flavor of the week a little bit. Like it might if unless they can change it up from that to something completely different, it's gonna kind of the the it's gonna run out. You know, if they they can't keep doing the you like same song with like the thing the keyboards in the beginning and like going into the super fast and like they'll a probably breakdown. they'll probably simplify you know because yeah, like because yeah. they kind of appeared at that level you know they kind of like appeared at top level demo mm-hmm. totally you know with like with the core aspect and that's like where do you go from there i mean i don't right. know yeah i don't maybe they'll maybe they'll just take a complete left and just do like a skate thrash record <laughs> yeah, do like a radio head album just... that'll be interesting i mean you know <laughs> basement sessions yeah. that would actually be really sick dude i would i would back that yeah i would respect yeah. that if they just like I went want... to a completely different genre they're like we're gonna do this yeah. I'm like whoa i want... you left all that behind huh i want so... them to do like they do like these fucking hyper blasts for like a short period i want those longer you want an extension but also you hit a point where it becomes like unphysical like you just think like a human's not doing this um and so they have to kind of keep it within the realm of like physical embodiment so it's a tricky fucking tightrope mm-hmm. to walk 
Well, right. yeah, there are certain bands. That there, there are bands out there that are just so perfect on stage. And, you know, like you said, you got to keep it. You can't go so far before everybody's just like, this is so obviously not being played. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the you know, track bands, it it bugs me because sometimes I've, I've I've heard a lot of these guys, you know, sound check and if it's not like the guitar cabinet's not moving air mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like a live amp no totally that's that's a, that's it the, kind of sounds the... like a really loud cd and that's something yep. that i think works in a much bigger bigger venue exactly mm-hmm. i don't think that works in small clubs very well like a fractal going directly to the the pa versus like having a, a tube amp pushing air to people and and the band on stage and the drummer that's like well, even so, I think if you push a, if you put a fractal into a into a fucking cabinet, yeah, it works. But I when you know, like the backing track thing, is like you guys can't hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't hear the like the loud stereo thing. And that's you know, that's my my only real bitch about it. Well, it's, it's the bitch that I'll share here about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, just in general, like there's, there's gotta be the, like the next million dollar invention has gotta be somehow to get like, even when, like when you're going a million miles an hour and, and playing super fast and you, you've known the albums forever and you know, every fucking change, but when you're live, it's so fast. Sometimes it turns into, mm-hmm. you gotta like, there's gotta be like a technology that I'm, like like dreaming about which is like because i'm i'm half deaf too so it's a big problem for me but i'm like having like sound bars on each row or something so it hits everyone equally so it's not like a big bouncing noise fest with the sound waves bouncing everywhere because there's the you guys are like i mean bands that are going super fast are nailing it but the thing is the room depends on what you're gonna hear you know what i mean well i hate to put this negativity out there yeah but Shit. all you gotta do is look at the silent raves. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know. I was saying the same thing. I was like, just fucking, just you can you can do a fucking sound check, get all the levels perfect, give everyone silent rave like headphones, and it will sound the best. But it will be, it's one of those things when you watch the silent rave and you don't have the headphones on, you're like, what the fuck is going? On? But that <laughs> is there that. is the interaction between people you go to shows with or people that you meet that are, is lost in that uh, silent rave atmosphere because once you take an ear off, then you you are open to the actual surroundings. But now the new technology in. should be like a like a vicinity kind of like microphone thing where like if you're close to people, you can talk to them through like a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going way too deep with it. <laughs> but like, if, you're clo- if you're like within like six feet, you can hear everyone talking around you. And like, well, I'm going a little far with it, but it's all I, good. I'm, I'm not a huge audio guy, but I did just go to a regular show, dude. The, the Grateful Dead <laughs> fucked around with this in the 70s as they were expanding. Uh, they were trying to figure out, like, as the speakers got farther away, like delaying when it would play so that it would line up with. I mean, this is probably like standard stadium level audio stuff, but at the time they were like the innovators trying to figure out how to do that stuff. So. I think it's like kind of the same idea of like how to, you know, bring like good good quality stuff. Just uh, uh 
just write just, easy riffs to hear, dude. Just just ch- let rock chug, and roll dude. bands keep playing live music and, <laughs> and don't take a cut from the merch. You know, oh, that's the main dude. thing right now and with gas prices. Them, yeah. and, you know, yeah, yeah. just like not cool, dude. Not consider cool. it. Consider what it is that you actually want to see on stage and stop making it impossible. Yeah, so, totally. I don't know. For yeah, for a venue to like have an underground death metal show come through and still try and take a percentage of their merch sales, you're a fucking snake. Get the fuck out of here, bro. I think it's interesting that it's taken this long for it to become such a thing. Yeah, it's been 10, 15 years since that's when they started doing that. So it's dealing with it for a long time. And they always send they always send the new kid working with the team to go do that count. You know, dude comes over with this is Steve. He's going to do your merch count. And he's like, hi. Uh, oh, fuck Steve. And you already <laughs> say guy, fuck Steve man. in your mind. Yeah. He's been and, with the crew for he's been with the crew for two weeks. Now. Yeah, it's like clean the bathrooms. It's like, all right, clean the bathrooms. You just got here kind of thing. And go get the merch yeah. cut from these fucking hungover grouches that have slept for three hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck, totally. There's well, got to be, some, be some sort of way around that. I don't know. Like... <laughs> I don't know. We got to figure out something because these these venues. We obviously we love our venues and we want them there. And we saw during the pandemic they were going away, and we were like, "Oh no!" I mean, the the, the pandemic definitely kind of brought up like the fucking seriousness of like losing them, and that's actually like you can't go to the same places anymore. But those venues were still taking the merch cut and doing. They the also thing. need the artists, dude. So that's what it is. It became yeah. a point where that that industry came should have came to a situation where it's like all right we're gonna continue again um there's all these patreon here's the things that we didn't like about there's there's something that you could do yeah here's the things that we we you know we're gonna bring up about before that we might want to change now and it's coming from both sides you know the Definitely. venues are like, oh, we want to make up our losses. I'm so sure the venue we're... is saying something along the lines of liquor prices are way too high now. We don't get anywhere near the money we used to get from bar mm-hmm. prices. But mm-hmm. right, right, I don't right. know. So we need your twenty percent on merch or fifteen percent or whatever. Raise gas. Gas prices are super expensive now. So like to travel and all the things like with like. But that's what's up, dude. So, like, I forget what band it was, but I loved this. I fucking loved this when I saw this. Um, It was an advertisement of here we're going to be. If you want merch, this is where it's sold. And it's a a picture of their van in the parking lot. Yep. Come to us in the parking lot. And and that's where the merch is going to be. Ben used to do that with Goat Whore. Yep. And with uh, with Swan the Green, I think it's like yeah. higher. And despise icon. I, I bought a despised icon shirt from them out of their van because of that same situation. Mm-hmm. And you actually feel cooler as uh, a supporter because you're like, oh, dude, yeah, right. dude, I'm going straight to the source, dude. Fuck these guys. I'm just gonna come to your house and buy a t-shirt. <laughs> it's like, or you can hide buy it from your just garage, like... yeah. You can hide merch as a, a band member and put it under your shirt and bring it in and <laughs> cover up the numbers that you sold. <laughs> yeah. 
but kind don't do that backwards kind of going in, in a different direction did you ever were, were either you guys ever guilty of wearing the band merch because you didn't have any shirts on tv oh, oh yeah, yeah of course dude. Sure. of course sure. oh yeah what how, how do you not pack enough shirts what's so hard about that oh when bill throws all of them out when they're wet <laughs> oh man wet oh, shirts damn. Good damn man one of yeah, the guys getting... in one of the guys in Monstrosity brought my sweaty socks to me the other night. Nice. I had intended on throwing them away, and he just comes up. He's got my socks in a napkin. Oh, dude, like, you left these. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm like, you're a brave man. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. It's awesome. Somebody was just about to comment on the time. On what time? No, he, no, he, you didn't <laughs> get it. I loved it. Dude. It was so. Funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! It's only been two hours. We we've been no, that long. John killed it. That was so okay. funny. Sure. Yeah. So, oh, all right. so yeah. So it's been about uh, you know, two hours or yeah, so. <laughs> I thought you were about to go into something, Casey. Oh. I have something to say. What do you have to say? Nothing. Um, I, I, I've got something no, to say. Let's get back I on. I watched to... your podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> so good. How how was uh, how was the Europe tour that you just completed with Origin? There you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I ate dust most of it. It's, I couldn't get on the schedule. I I couldn't. I insomnia hit. I got sick. I was stressed. I was playing like crap half the damn time. But everything else was really awesome um you know monstrosity it's it's just great to see those guys out there still doing that lee's great lee plays he's such a weird drummer because he's a lefty so he does that weird setup where he's got 10 12 13 you know so because he leads all of his roles with his left hand mm -hmm. so he's like da, 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 da. it's very bizarre the way he plays um he leads all of his single foots with his left hand, but then he switches over to his right. And it's just really cool. He's a left-handed person. He he plays left-handed drums on a right-handed kit, but he plays guitar right-handed. So that's just crisscross all over the place. Um, Yeah, they were great. Um, opening band was this band called Intrepid. They're from Estonia. They sound like old grave and old... Mm. old gore fest very cool nice. you know it was it was you know aside from me you know and my my personal physical issues is like it was really cool because the the tour we did in the summertime um kind of sucked because management at the time had put us out you know at the back end of this gigantic touring glut so every every show we played we were on the back end of like 10 other metal shows that had happened yeah we talked to paul and he explained this to us too and it's just you know where we should pull 200 people we might have pulled between 30 and 50. Mm -hmm. um and that was actually seven weeks long and it was two tours broken up you know the first tour was misery index and wolf king and the second tour was abysmal dawn and tombs and yeah, everybody was great but like the second tour was a little more successful i think um you know we got out towards the west coast and i think we started to break away from we started to get some distance from all the other tours happening it got a little bit better but it really kind of 
put a hurting on my psyche. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is my first tour back from COVID and it's like this and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it was nice to be in Europe and get these, you know, full rooms that were into it. Nice. You know, and so that was, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yeah. I wished a good tour for yeah. you guys. Cause I, I had heard, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. the most enjoyable tour before that. So, I mean, we had some really good times on that tour before that, but it was definitely like, this is what touring post pandemic is going to be like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the question is, is like, how long do you sit it out? Because some bands had like, like cannibal corpse, they are, they're doing their most successful tours they've ever done. Mm-hmm. You know, right. other, you know, cattle decapitation is doing killer out there. Obituary just appeared. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, so there's a lot of really good shit. Going. I feel like, people really only want the big tours right now. Like they really only want the big fucking rock bands and they're not really interested yeah. in like the little, the little underground, underground mm. runs, at least in the States. Yeah. It, it, you know, by people, it, you mean like audiences? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. But, you no. know, what do I know? I'm not a concert promoter. I mean, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. if, if everything stops and then things come back, like people are going to more, want to dip their toes in the more popular known stuff versus the underground right yeah i don't know i just feel like um maybe i i don't know what i'm talking about for me to for a second there it felt like that would make sense like i don't know it makes me wonder if people don't want to mess around with getting crammed into a tiny club with like potentially unscrupulous like whatever you know but COVID that, COVID protocol, so. for me my first show back from all that was a small show like that and i was super over excited that night to be there you know so i don't know it, it i guess it just varies for everybody you know but I, I was eager to get back out there and and be in a hot, sweaty place with other humans while we're watching metal. My friends. <laughs> um, totally. And then my first show back was in, it was actually, it was Hipster Assassins, which is Kenny Grahowski and Felix Pastorius. Nice. And that went down at this tiny little bar in, in Manhattan called the 55 Bar. And boy, I was nervous. I didn't know how to be in a crowd. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You unfortunately, that. that unfortunately that bar closed. It sucks because they've been there forever. Mm. Uh, first death metal show was Obscura. Mm. Oh yeah, so. with uh, Beyond Creation and Archspire. Or no, no. it was uh, <laughs> Gabe's in here. He can he can lay it out for us. Um, oh oh, that tour. Um, yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering, but um. I saw it. I know. Um, uh, Veil of Nath. Veil of Nath. There you go. Yep. Nice. <clears throat> Double duty, Gabe. Yep. And interloper. Yep. What's up, Gabe? Yeah. There he is. I would just like to quickly quickly point out Joel's shirt. <laughs> Birds aren't um, real. It's old now, but I I found you know old laundry. Is that the flat Earth? Was that is that from the era of the flat Earth? 
No, it's 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 a mockery of all that. It's basically it, like a, it's a, it's a whole it's, movement. It's, satire. Of, yeah. it's a it's a satire kind of thing. But once you're like in, you gotta like pretend birds aren't real the whole time. <laughs> and people like will comment going like, "What are you talking about, dude? I fucking shot a bird the other day. I fucking yeah. saw its guts." And like it's like, "Oh, yeah. this is a that was a drone." It's a drone, like, like yeah. and people. It's like a, it's like a funny joke. So you just, I don't know. So no, like on the back, it has a big pigeon. It says, "I am a lie." And when I saw that, I was like, "I'm That's cool. <laughs> But and they went and they protested Twitter. They're like, "Change your icon from a bird because they're not real." And the fucking CEO came down and was so like, "This good. is fucking red." Like, and fucking, oh all, we're gonna change. Crazy. Yeah, That's he's all. Crazy. We're changing our icon. We're changing our. We're doing it. <laughs> Did yes. they actually do it though? No, yeah. they said they was. Of course not. Yeah. So ridiculous. So that was yeah. that was a point in time when people thought the Earth was flat. Yeah, yeah. Tool put out a new record. People were rioting over the Popeye's chicken sandwich. And <laughs> oh my yeah. guys got a about the time. finger and... on the pulse, dude. Uh, fucking Tide pods, Tide pods, Tide pods was happening. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah. People were challenging. How, how bad are fucking humans, dude? I mean, really like... social media has brought out kind of the worst of a lot of humans. You know, I'm just saying, like, like but the, that list right there just shows me like, wait, I'm I'm part of the same species as the, all those. That was like four years ago. He's talking about like that really was talking... four years ago. I don't know, man. It's a uh... it's a weird time. Yes, it is. It so is. we got to we got to <laughs> since I made the flyer and I I believe I put Hate Eternal and Malefic Drone flyers on there. We should touch on what's going on with the other projects. Boom. Yeah, man. Um. Well, Hate Eternal. <clears throat> yeah, we need to go back to MySpace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please yeah please i actually yeah um anyway so uh, hate eternal that one i can get that out of the way quick you know eric is extremely busy with cannibal corpse you know right but i know that he has a handful of songs written him and jj both so mm-hmm. we're really just waiting for the schedules to line up for that and once that happens there will be a new record have you met jj yeah I love JJ. Love JJ. Have you done two two tours already with Hate oh, Eternal? I'm sorry, that was a dumb question. To say that. <laughs> Have you met your bass player yet? It's what, open what, question. What they, what they, okay. JJ. So here's the well answer. in 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 defense, JJ didn't play bass on the two tours I did. Oh, oh okay, um, okay. Yeah, this guy named Art. I was going to um, say he's a great guitar break player. Too, by the wall and be like, oh, dude, I. This is the thing, dude. John Longstreth has a a long list of things that he's done. So. <laughs> To get ready for an actual so episode, oh, yeah. uh, I'm like, oh shit, Hate <laughs> Eternal, dude. Oh man, I okay, all right. Um, but I gotta pay attention to this, this and this and that. So Hate Eternal thing, I didn't. I really feel like Eric about. Rutan's fucking and John Longstreth is, was like a perfect match in heaven because I know that. Oh yeah, how, how Eric Rutan likes to record drums. He likes to do like one take, motherfuckers. He's not trying to. Oh. And JJ, I mean that 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 dude's been a part of that shit for a long time now. He's he he gets it too, dude. It's uh, it's something that Eric and I have talked about multiple times in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, going all the way back to shit, two thousand four. No, 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 two thousand five, maybe. Right around the time, right when Derek left, he called me. He goes, "Can you do it?" And I'm like, "In three days." Jesus no, I can't. Damn. You're crazy. And then we talked about it a couple of times after that, and finally it clicked. You know, yeah. And so it was just something that we've talked about multiple times in the past. And one day he called me up, and he goes, 
Hannes can't do the tour. What are you up to? And I'm like, I'm going on tour with you, right? And so that was that. <laughs> nice. Um, Malefic that, thrown... that must be a, feel, a cool feeling because you're like, I have to say no to Eric Rutan because he's giving me a three day notice, but I know that Eric Rutan had a, a a feeling that I might be a possible candidate to get it done in three days. I mean, it was an honor to get the phone call from him. Right. You know, but you know, you're talking about like the third tour for the I Monarch album. Mm-hmm. Like I was just going to jump in there and try and play that shit on two days, three days notice. Fuck, yeah. dude. I mean, hats off to Kevin Talley who gave it his best. Mm-hmm. I saw so, that tour. That was with Arch Enemy uh, headlining crazy. that tour. That was cool. That Which, was the first time uh, that, I saw like a brutal death metal band, like right in front yeah. of me. Tally yeah. and the Hate Eternal element actually doesn't seem like you would think that that would be the combination, you know? I don't think it quite worked, but I think I think Tally got in there and did his best, and you know, got the got the band through the tour. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's the part. How, that's, that's one of the albums where like he's like uh, Roddy's doing like the polyrhythm shit right well i think you're talking about like the multiple pedal stuff on the floor yeah yeah the, the, the yeah where he's yeah. bouncing right yeah. to left on on the right yeah. side kick hat kick, kick hat and he's like doing kick hat hat kick hat. yeah it turns yeah, into feet. yeah it yeah, gets yeah. real 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 polyrhythmic and real crazy that's a it's really cool it's a it's not a hard part to play but it's a hard part to play live Gotcha. And just because it requires, you know, as far for me to play it, it requires some real delicacy just to jump between those pedals like that. So I have to be like, you know, and so but yeah. doing that thing live, you know, like halfway into a set and being all pumped up, it's like to pull back and do that. My legs just go just lock. Oh, gotcha. And I all yeah. of a sudden I've just got table legs for that's is that yeah. two on the right and then three on the left like the on the right on the, the right foot goes like yeah kick hat kick hat kick hat yeah, right. on the Tis. left it's like kick hat hat kick hat kick hat as a drummer though i'm actually really i can do the feet but i can't do anything else i've always wanted to know though how do you how do you like segment your brain to like pick one thing to kind of be like like automatic and then the right would be the automatic the two yeah this is automatic and then you have to focus on this one not like focus i don't know what do you think well the way that the way that part goes you just you play the double bass and then you just go in steps you try and get your right foot to jump back and forth and then and then you get your left foot to do this and you do these separately i don't know how derek got to it but the way i got to it was doing each foot separately and kind of create a mode so they're automatic Mm-hmm. And then you kind of start to see where how they line up, and then after that you got to start putting in the right. you know. So once you get the feet working, then you put yeah. a backbeat on it with a snare because you know yeah. your right hand's going to hit the snare. So you hit the snare on the backbeat with the right, and then you start just adding 
Mm-hmm. Building this little house of cards. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's really what it is for you guys is separation of limbs. So you just With separate your, like your lower memory. half. You separate your yeah, lower half to your exactly. upper half. So it's, it, it's segment. It, it's you segment yourself out for a beat to make it understandable and playable. As you practice the part with your feet and then you start practicing the part with your hands um you kind of start seeing how everything lines up mm-hmm. and it kind of demystifies as as you and this is the thing is like how do i play the thing and i'm like well you do it little by little by little over the course of three months and then you'll have it and you do this slowly and you know but that's the problem with every lesson i teach that has to do with blast beats or double bass or double strokes or anything like that it's it's always these guys that just haven't really a they haven't spent the time time doing the thing and b they Mm -hmm. might not have quite the knowledge they need what to spend the time with yeah so i was teaching working with this guy about blast beats and he was just running on his pedals full legged and just and he wanted to know how to get that up to like 260 and i was like well okay well you can't we're yeah. going to talk about ankle only we're going to talk about swivel yeah. we're going to talk about heel toe so it's like yeah but well this the segmenting what, what uh anthony brought up is brings up uh, brings up a funny memory of of you when we were playing at house of blues in las vegas I forget. I think it might have been a summer slaughter or something. But I was standing behind you and just sure. beer, just having a beer, hanging out. And you something fucked up with your hands, and you just grabbed both drumsticks, threw them both down, and yelled "fuck" while your feet were still going. And then you grabbed two new drumsticks and just jumped back in. That's so bad. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, don't look at me. Don't, don't bring me into this temper tantrum. But the fact that you could have your feet going though and not. And just go like, oh, the arms, whatever, fuck, mm-hmm. and to throw both well, drumsticks down, and just you kept, and then you picked up, slowly too. picked up two drumsticks, and we're like, all right, dude, like back into it. It's like, badass. It's not. It's not dramatic. It's no. That's, I tell my friends like, about that. All the, it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's like a, a story that I tell. It's like a little entertainment, little like, thing I tell people all the time. I've seen that. I've totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then just grabs <laughs> it, just. <laughs> it's just yeah, dude, yeah. it's fucking badass. It's actually kind of rad. You should do that like every show. <laughs> every show, throw your sticks and puke. Um, <laughs> well, my guys have so much kick drums in their monitors. I don't know if they can yeah, hear anything I know, else. Too much. So I, I think they just follow the barrage of kick drums. And every now and then, if a yeah. china is too loud, that might throw them. But for the most part, it's just if that's there they're just <laughs> yeah you know i can tell my guitar player can't hear the snare drum when he like backs up he's got this very specific backup towards me and kind of goes like that i'm like okay you know yeah um but, no, that's, you know. that's that's all right it's well, a trip out you can you can like basically just have the feet you know what they're hearing so you're like okay well i don't give a fuck about my arms right now fuck it like god damn it i messed up a thing and you grabbed two. The sticks were fine, but you were like, "Fucking goddamn it!" Yeah. I've done some stupid tantrum-related shit on stage. I, you know, <laughs> have, have I we, think we all have, dude. Have I've we definitely had a tantrum on stage a couple of times, uh, dude. Mm. Especially Anthony, yeah, for sure. <laughs> have, have we all gone deep into the whole doubles thing and how you pioneered that with the kicks and all that? Like, mm. have you done that yet? 
No. Because you're the dude. Dude, uh, the <laughs> Cobra Crab, Cobra no. Crab episode. Oh, Cobra Crab, do that. Okay, I just get on I mean, that. It's, yeah, it's common knowledge for us all there. I, I've been saying that for two years now, but I'm just saying, dude. Everyone talks about doubles in the feet. I'm like John Longstreth. Like, dude, like that's the dude. Like, that's like the back dude. In, the, in the late 2000s, you just yeah, we when, were on tour with them and and you just figured Peters, it out. Remember, like, I, mean, I the came was, like, in trying to figure it out too. No like, one else was doing you. You were showing dying fetus guy. How to do doubles because you just you tray tray. You're like tray showing him how to do it, yeah. and he's like backstage, like working on it. Now he's got it down. He's I'm a like, sick you know. drummer too. Yeah, yeah. I here. came into that around 2006. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's so early, dude. That's insane. 2006. Yeah, well, what the fuck? I remember the Joe Stronsick like ballistic double bass thing. And he was just doing, you know, huh, regular heel sure toe that. on that. And it was a it was a double VHS set. Huh. And I never gave it the chance. And then after a while, I kind of by accident just kind of went ba bump and decided to You know it's so funny? I, I, I hate to interrupt, but like my uh back in the day, like my drum teacher, like in the late he's play, he plays for Paul Gilbert now. He's on that new deal little track. Oh, cool. Paul Gilbert. Yeah. But Bill Ray, shout out, is in Seattle. But he uh, he told me to do doubles like in the late 90s. And I was like, he was like, dude, you got to do doubles with your feet. And I was just like, dude, like on DW pedals, like trying to, I was like, dude, I just not going to happen. Like, you know, anyways, just want to interject that. Like, like, like you just nailed it, figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it took me a while to, to get it. Um, and then I went on tour and I kind of, I kind of flamed out on it. Didn't go very well. And then I came back and like started approaching it slowly. But um, mm-hmm. hey, can we do an intermission while I go to the bathroom? Oh, go, oh yeah, go piss. piss. Of course, man. Yeah, yeah, I've pissed dude. three times already. Dude, <laughs> like, I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about double. They'll literally do anything. We are a P friendly. <laughs> you know what? Actually, <laughs> I got a P too. All right, go P2. for it. Go P2. Yeah, we should Actually, pee. I got it. Everybody's like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I can tell, like, you can tell when someone's got it, like something on their mind. They're like, "Yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, doubles were cool, but yeah, I have to piss so bad that, like, that they're not my, that cool right now." My trademark technique that everyone knows me for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember go him. That's the what I remember. It was like we were on tour. It was Origin Dying Fetus, and like the doubles were like the new thing. It was like 2008 or nine. I remember like Trey from uh, Dying Fetus, and and John like sitting there like trying to show it to him, just going like, yeah. This is how it works. Well, and then like, I all of a sudden, like, him he's doing it. Now. The longboard uh, pedals was what he was into when we were talking about that show that we did in Kansas City or Kansas. And um, I remember the heel hearing about the heel toe technique. Yeah. And that was the first time I really heard about it was from John. Yeah. While I was fanboying out backstage. Like, that's really all I could figure out what to talk to him about was technique, dude. Oh, <laughs> dude. oh dude, those are really long pedals, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that'd those. Be, pedals, I mean, that would be dude. such a fucking uh, marketing tool, like the long boards, the long stress. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah dude. Hey, you're on to something. <laughs> but I'm sure he already was like years ago. Like, how could yeah, I? Yeah, I'm do sure that? that's it's probably like a 2010 joke. The but... long stretch, long stretches, dude. <laughs> I was uh, I was, I was in my rehearsal room with with uh, BD like today, and yeah. I was like, we got to play some Zenith stuff for fun, you know. Um, so all those songs, it's like 
dum bum 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 you know it's like so i was playing around with like singles versus doubles on those kind of run parts um and uh i'm like i got the doubles but uh today singles were feeling better sometimes doubles feel better it's like kind of a weird like what day it is kind of could thing. it be like a yeah like a mood thing like you decided to go like okay doubles right now for this part and then singles for this part and then doubles for... yeah it it I'm, I'm not super set on either like like um i was actually just feeling stoked that singles were, were solid because we're also in a small room so it's like if you play the doubles and you don't actually hear the acoustic second hit it's like kind of lame because you just hear like the double out of the the pa next to you yeah, yeah. And you're looking at your feet you get this weird cognitive dissonance you're like this doesn't that's feel what i'm right. saying with the that's what yeah. i was asking about the the polyrhythms <laughs> like like understanding like what the limb like once i were to focus on one limb if i had like if i had a robotic thing going where i could just yeah. go like then like no, once i were to like focus yeah. on it i'd be like oh i'm fucked i'm done it is, is it's super fun roddy talked about in a comment how he likes doubles at like 150 to 180, like super slow, like do 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 like doubles at that speed. He says it's like it's like uh, being on a boat, like kind of row, like that's how nice, he described nice. it, like a boat on the ocean. It's kind oh, of yeah. this floaty feeling. Yeah, it's fun to yeah. like really slow him down. Oh yeah. Um, also to Gabe on this comment, uh, no, I don't think <laughs> I'm doing that. I would, <laughs> I would like to, but I'm not. <laughs> But shout out to those guys. Is it hard switching from the single to double technique? I can't. I can't during do a song. I'm so bad at it. Yeah, John. Uh, do you, John, do you ever get like when you're playing like you're doing the doubles? Like you're like, ah, I feel singles here. Like just in the moment, oh, do you change it up. Yeah, just not really in the moment, but um, there are certain parts to certain songs that require either. Okay, yeah, okay. sure. And, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, lately, I've just I've been working on a lot more. A lot more of the single the single strokes because it's just something I was never that good at. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so ever is that, since uh, is that what you do if you don't have a girlfriend? Single stroke? Sorry. I'm gonna mute my microphone. Here I we go. Almost gave you a smile. <laughs> but ever since Martin Yohanovic started putting up that drum technique academy <laughs> stuff and teaching all that ankle only stuff, I've been you know, looking at Dave Diopold and mm-hmm. um, Kevin Paradis quite a bit. Those guys just have immaculate, like single choke, single single choke, single stroke foot <laughs> techniques that I've been looking at. That I'm like, my God, yeah. You know, and I, I don't, don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be completely locked into the the double stroke thing. It's like I've kind of gotten to a point where. I've done so much of that, and I kind of want to explore a little more outside of it. So, awesome. yeah, I can tell. I can tell that like I've, we've we've had drummers on here before. Uh, you have had drummers on the death metal podcast, but um, I've I can tell that like some people hold it in high regard, and some people are like, oh, I don't know, you can't hear it. It's you know they're doing their whole like oh it's edited kind of thing, like the you know like different well, schools of thought come through, and then the different elitist kind of. Um, opinions yeah. come through. There you go. Right. Elitist opinions is just, you know, elitist yeah. opinions, fragile egos. There's, there is something to be said about guys that are actually trying to hit the notes, mm-hmm. right, right, left, left, right, right, you know, and the guys that are just kind of mushing the pedal into the head and, you know, yeah. just getting this kind of buzz roll thing out of it where you can't really hear anything. Right. And um, that's usually what happens when I get the question. How do I set up 
the pedals or how do I set up the kick drums for double strokes with triggers? And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it should work, you know, if you've worked on the technique enough to actually hit these individual notes. Now, when we get up to 270 and 280, yes, it's going to become a bit of a buzz roll. But then again, who's playing 270 and 280 with 90 degree beater angle anyway? It's just, it's just not yeah, happening. Nobody. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, there's. We'd it, be talking about him right now if it was an actual thing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've had this conversation about, you know, what's, what's a legitimate technique and what's cheating or what's this and what's that. And it, it's just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I had, I had all the sharp edged opinions about it. You know, up and down, you know, I had all the as you get like, older, though, you kind of don't care as much about the whole ego thing, right? You have no, nah, you don't, yeah, yeah, it's just an just... older, getting older thing. Well, you have right. to wear whitey tidies and only do one foot blasts, and, everything <laughs> <must> be... <laughs> and you have to wear combat boots, yeah, yeah, which is thick as fuck. I wish I could play double bass in combat boots, oh. but like. My vocalist said it best. He goes, nobody with a job cares about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. That's right. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah, dude. Who's you know anybody who does like... doubles on double bass rolls and then single kicks all their blast beats? That would be a cool combo. Frank Mullen. <laughs> Wait, you mean doing only single blast? Like, like single foot is... blast beats and... Double stroke. Double Wait, I started laughing yeah, about you said Frank that. Mullen and that added to <laughs> the, it. The problem with blast beats is that, like, dude, for sure. I mean, like, suffo blasts. I mean, I don't know about you, John, but like, they gotta be like a suffo blast is just a, like two foot, right? Like, to, to do the suffo blast with one foot, just I don't know, just doesn't feel right to I me. Don't, I don't know. Um, I always thought the suffo blast, like, the thing that made that the most fun for me was playing the suffo blast and then offsetting the hands and just being in a two foot dock blast. Yeah. You know, that was always, and you can do that seamlessly and that's a lot of fun. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anybody champion the single footed suffo. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm talking it's about. Fucking go dude. My so thing. It's like you can champion. <laughs> so everyone's championing the single footed split blast. Or whatever. I respect the single uh, footed split. I do too. And I, you know, yeah. like it sounds it sounds sick. Like Pete. <laughs> it, it does sound, sound sick. Like, but well, I know what you're saying, dude. Like Suffo just I don't, I don't give a shit. Pete. Like, Joel cares. Suffo <laughs> blast is like caveman style blast. John, it's like John, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Single foot blast beats feel better than two foot blast beats, mm-hmm. I think. A single foot blast works really nicely if if I can make the the ankle only thing go mm-hmm. without it being tense in the top of my leg or the front of my shin. So when that thing starts going, when you start getting that kind of like really rapid basketball bouncing thing, yeah, right. and you sure. play a traditional blast beat like that, that just feels great and it sounds great. Unfortunately, I can't really get much past 240 i think with that right and so and the the two foot thing it's it it feels kind of weird and and ploppy and all that stuff but um going i mean do you get injuries from drumming it's going that fast do you get like actual because you're 
you're exerting your body in such you know ankle blasts is there actual like injuries that you get through yeah, I mean, your legs dick injury or something like that <laughs> i've heard about guys hurting their knees with you know with their, their swiveling too hard um i've got carpal tunnel in my actually kind of in both but i got carpal tunnel in my left um that i had to go to therapy for but i don't I don't know. I, I I know some dude blew his knee up, but mm. I don't quite remember who. Really? Um, Must have been I've hit myself in the face with a drumstick. Oh yeah, me and Katie. Oh, I've done that too. I got a black <laughs> eye. Black guy in the middle of the show yeah. with us. You know. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I don't. Like I said, I've got the some interesting nerve impingements in both my hands, but it's it's all you can. You know, I, I take care of it, so it's not career-ending. Are you doing like uh, exercises before we play? Are you doing like things like that to kind of like make sure your body's ready for a show like that? I, my physical therapist wants me to, and yeah, yeah, I usually do what I can. But um, is there anything you do in life that like triggers some other like repetitious moment of your hands where you're just like grabbing something and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, my hand's doing a gravity blast, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. Are you talking about? Are you trying to lead the masturbation? No, no. I'm saying like you go to grab the mail and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, dude, I'm doing a gravity blast technique. If I'm, there's all kinds of things that'll make me not be able to do this. There's all kinds of things that'll make me like do this. Yeah. It's yeah. usually... It's usually um, diet, dehydration, or lack of yeah. sleep slash stress. Yep. Dude, dehydration That'll... is something so crazy, bro. I've, I've been, for the last almost two weeks now, I've been back on my water and, and eating healthy and all that shit. But, man, just water. water. Is, oh, no, I wasn't off of water. I'm just saying I'm back <laughs> on drinking like hyperhydration. <laughs> I don't know. Well, just like your mood and stuff, like with water. Like if, if you, I'm at work and I decide to drink like a, two gallons at work, I will drive home from work like, oh, I'm happy. Everything's great. Yeah, you feel so, so like, much better. Like my dude. brain's just, better. If you, you drink know? water all day, you feel yeah, so much better. I don't like water. I'm drinking alcohol. So yeah. Well, water. no, this is literally like <laughs> after drinking over a gallon of water today, we're drinking alcohol. So. My girlfriend's an athlete and she hates water and she plays like three soccer games a week at least and she just doesn't drink water the whole time and i'm like what did you tell her how much she might be like <laughs> a, a, a all-star athlete if she just starts drinking a gallon of water well she's already the best one on the field no i'm, I'm no, saying like what if no. she fucking murders i know i know harder no i know i'm, I'm pushing oh. her I'm, every day i'm like how much water do you drink and i'm like trying uh, to get her and she's like i feel better one funny story john <laughs> is that uh when so i went to to long island for the first time and the first tour we did or whatever it was whatever blah blah and like we you know went to the sofa studio and those guys and uh and doug bone was there you know and he was like randomly just like hey man i want you to show me how to do a gravity blast and i was just like okay like i don't really <laughs> like do that or like know how to do that but it was so funny he was just like show me how to do a gravity blast and i was like mm -hmm. i kind of can do it but like i've never done it or on a record or anything like that it was kind of funny but he laughed He's like, yeah. I've shown you Pearson Within, dude. Show me a gravity blast. I know. I'm like, show me how to play, like, you know, Thrones of Blood or whatever. You know, it's just like so random. It's funny how he plays those um those little groupings of threes. 
in Pierce from Within. You did all that. Those are all single-handed drags. Yep. Yeah, I know. Exactly on the snare. I know. It's so weird. This this know, came up, dude. yeah. So That's Mike Mike Smith did it. I love hearing that. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Smith, Mike Smith did it. Was... He did it. Yeah. So, so you're saying like, the is just one hand. One hand. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah, on videos. Dude, that just made that made that record even better for me now. But I mean, it's. But if you listen closely, you can tell it's not a real. You can, if you listen, you can hear that it's a. It's kind of a drag. It's a it's a smear almost. It's not interesting. really a mm, like interesting. A, so when you hear like, like yeah, when Dave, did, when it, Dave right did it, when Mike, when Mike, when when Dave and Mike both played it, when Tally played sure. it, they were you know you know I think uh, I think fucking the professor um, got it. I think Eric the same. I think they all play that you know the usual groupings of threes. So just a smear. I'm I'm on a smear some drums right now, mm-hmm. dude. Um, so Malefic Throne, yeah, is a super group. Uh, it is. Oh yeah, with you. It's, um, it's funny because that happened during co- the beginning of COVID. Remember when, when people were talking about murder hornets? Yeah, mm. I do. Yeah, so Steve Tucker puts up on Facebook. He goes, "If I had to start all over again, I'd call the band Murder Hornet." <laughs> and and I was like, "Cool, can I play drums?" And he's like, "Yeah, you can play drums." And, and then Gene said something, and Tuck is like, "You're in!" And all of a sudden, like, and then a couple hours later, I get a text from Gene saying, "I think we just started a band. Ha ha! Should <laughs> we start a band?" I'm like, oh, "Okay." So we we chatted about that over the next week, and then Gene started sending material, and it was funny because like the original Malefic Throne demos were recorded on a little electronic kit that I had set up in my apartment at the time, and um three originals and a cover and it's out on hell's headbangers and mm-hmm. uh is it was funny because that was like i i had acquired enough equipment to do to create a little like recording studio in in my in my rehearsal room so those actually ended up being the first tracks that i recorded and sent out but um signed with agonia records recently and we are i think four songs in to what will be excuse me what will be a full-length album wow you know Mm. i don't know when we'll record it you know morbid angels getting up and moving again so you know we'll just do what we can that's awesome nice man fuck yeah It'll be one of those things where we record the drums and the guitars, and then eight months later we record the vocals or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And that's Malefic cool. Throne. It's Gene Palabiki from Angel Corpse and Steve Tucker from Morbid Angel. Oh, oh man, so, cool. so in many cases, it's kind of a spiritual successor to Angel Corpse. You know, mm, and okay. uh, yeah. yeah, dude, having Tucker on vocals too—that's so rad. I've always yeah. loved his anything he's been on, dude. Tucker's badass. I mean, he's way yeah, badass, dude. Badass. So the whole band was there uh, in 1998 in that in Morrison. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Good backtrack. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, there was actually a point in time where they were we were talking to Tucker about doing some guest vocals on Exterminate, but 
earache chimed in and said, no, we don't want that to happen because the chance opportunity that the Angel Corpse album comes out before the Morbid Angel record and they hear, you know, Tucker on the Angel Corpse record before they hear him on the Morbid Angel record. So, no. Mm. Um, so that's what that was about. But, yeah, you know, and then, to, of course, to kind of put a cap on that, Formula's Fatal ends up being my favorite Morbid Angel record. It's so good, dude. Based so mainly good. on Pete. So I was gonna say, dude, the speed on that record's so crazy. If you really I mean, gate, gateways though, gate for me, gateways. I never heard double bass like that when uh, opening the gates. Opening happened. the gates, what? yeah. No, what, I understand, you... but think about formulas being the predecessor to that. No, I know record, for sure. You know, no, I know, I totally. And and Pete's already. You're either a gateways and a domination guy, or you're a covenant and fatal. (laughs) That's getting so specific in what kind of guy you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah. I bet you guys also like uh, "Blessed Are the Sick" better than "Altars" too. No, Uh, I actually, I I actually am. uh, Gateways was was my first. More of For me, it's, it's the odd records. Well, if you start, I mean, Alters. Gate, I mean, Alters is insane, but but Blessed is, dude. I'm an Alters and a Gateways guy, or Gateways. Jesus, Christ. I'm a Domination. Dude, Morbid Angel, just like every album, like just pioneered, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every record had something. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're just forced to pick ones that you you're like. Better, at it in but you like way, all of but yeah. them. It's like where were you when you got into this album? Like, was it? Dude, it's all about you at a certain time. Uh, entangled in chaos, the the, yeah, oh, the, the live, live one. shit's great, dude. You can that album go wrong with Morbid Angel, dude. That's yeah. what we're saying right now. I have a D drum four that sounds a lot like those toms, you know, oh, yeah, experiment with that. But, um, <laughs> that's one of the that's funny. It's interesting because, uh, Formless Fatal. I'm not, I'm sorry, not Formless Fatal, but, um, Blessed. Entangled in Chaos. Oh, okay. Like right. A, B, C, D. <laughs> Entangled yeah. in Chaos versus I love um, that recording. Gateways to Annihilation. Like the problem with Gateways. Yeah. The trigger, the trigger drums. Oh, right? yeah. I, I know. Like, yeah. Like, I never yeah. heard this. However, however yeah. the trigger drums on, on Entangled in Chaos, I think, sound great. Yeah. Yep. Because you know, it's they're live. A, they're yeah. a little, yeah, yeah. They're a little more in line yeah. with like. What was on those those two Duma Borger records that Nick played on? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. just that, that specific Tom sound. If you're gonna yeah, trigger dude. the Toms, um, but what's everybody's opinion what's on that Heretic? One? Heretic, I, I I actually I love some of the work on Heretic. I, I was yeah. gonna say I very much enjoyed that record, and I think that people didn't have that same opinion when it you got came like out. the old school fans chiming in about heretic and going like, yeah. oh it's not the same yeah yeah no i thought it was great i thought it was uh that one track where it's like give me, let me hear your kick drum pete oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's called drum shake <laughs> no that album is really interesting um i didn't like it when it came out but i loved it after Elude Divinus and Sanum came out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, went back. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but we're going to eventually get to that if we were going to keep hey, talking Kingdom's about Mormon. Disdain right. is, is, is a solid record, though. So, yeah. no, it's, totally. um, there's some really interesting, really like true to form Morbid Angel stuff on that record that just. I guess a lot of people just weren't really into it because of the production. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's, I mean, unless we're talking about 
allude to Venom. Like the only thing that ever really hurt Morbid Angel records for me were the the production. You know, like a lot of times, like mm-hmm. yeah. And it... I can even say that about Heretic. There was something different with the Heretic. The guitar, direction. the guitars sounded kind of like they were like kind of mid rangey. I remember like um, they sounded different, but they still had their purpose. You know. Yeah, I mean? but they the guitars did kind of sound mid rangey. Yeah, and the the drums sounded. You know, just like stop doing that to <laughs> stop, stop doing that to that. Pete. He doesn't need that. He <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That on gate on, on formulas. It was kind yeah, of like their uh, Saint Anger kind of thing. Like, okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll change the sound of drums now. We'll go ahead and change like the domination. Sound of the what about domination though? Like the drums sound pretty rad on that. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're going, oh, yeah. that's going yeah, back yeah. further. No I just mean like, why does it like <laughs> progressively sound like not? Because they want to try something different, and they're like, "Oh, this, yeah, they have a producer going like, let's try this sound for these toms, oh. and let's try this sound for this guitar." And sure. like, I remember at one fucking... point in time, Trey said something like, "Acoustic drums do not belong in death metal." What? And I was like, "That's a bit of a hard line," but and that was agree. right around the time Gateways came out. Love you, Trey, but I don't agree. Well, I didn't understand what I was hearing when I heard Gateways. I didn't understand that those were fake drums. I was like, I'm not a drummer, so I was like, "There's a drummer." They're not as fake as Heretic. I know, but I was was hearing those noises, and I was like, "What "What the fuck is this?" This this turned me into like from the Cannibal Corpse kind of like chunky, like playing in a in a pocket to like pushing things faster when I heard that, and I was like, "What is this? Like, is this real?" I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you could fake anything. Everything on everything. I don't think they. I don't think that's the thing is. I don't think Pete faked it. Uh, but everything else opening on that the, record. Opening the gates. Opening the gates. That that one part. That one part. Yeah, that sounds, he he would have played that back then. Damn, I think that's insane. I think, that's I why think the gateways on. isn't. People can do, but Joel, you can twitch. You can just you have like you can just go crazy. Like I mean, how long is definitely playable? Well, yeah. think about it. How long he keeps that he keeps that run up before he breaks it with insane. a drum fill and goes. You know. Yeah, I mean, did they fix it to make it absolutely? Maybe perfect? we need to get Pete Sandoval on the show <laughs> to talk That's... to him about it. We've I mean, tried. That, that, yeah, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> almost, he almost came on. I already but... talked to him. It was his <laughs> wife that answered yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they said no, but it's cool. we tried. He doesn't do these things right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all okay, good. Okay, though. Yeah, it's all, all right. good, dude. Yeah. Well, Abe. Thank you very much, John. I can tell it's fucking. Yeah, I know we're like over. two in the morning. I could, yeah. We got to go through like, all of the uh, Cannibal's discography now, and then all of the really? discography. <laughs> like each song, we're gonna go through the whole discography, and like each song, tell me what you what no. we learned from it. <laughs> just just do, uh, just do deep cut. Deep cut dude, John, dude, you're always welcome back on this show, bro. We can, yeah, do man. That. I mean, we we'll have. We'll have to do cut. another one because I feel like we would just sit here and talk until 6 a.m. I know. No, there's oh, definitely yeah, yeah. so much more about your career that we didn't even discuss. So for sure, I want to it, back sit on. with you and Paul but and, and like, get my That would be even cool to have like a John Longstreth like deep cut segment Everybody. where we like yeah. cut into something. He just said deep cut. So I'm like, oh, dude, the, the long, <laughs> we're going to cut Longstreth. Cut long, cut deep. Ah, uh, no, I'm done. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks right. for your time. Had too much Dubai. Drink, it's a lot guys. Of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Thanks, um, John. All right, guys. You're a legend. All right. Have a I play along to Antithesis a lot of times. It's a lot. I of probably fun. look like a. Nope. Uh, no um, easy feat. 
I don't do it perfect, but yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you coming on and talking with uh-huh. us and, and farting around with us. And it was fucking a lot of cool information that came from it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can you're a legend to us and a friend. So oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. It was Most a lot of fun, guys. Dude. We had oh, a great yeah, time, man. dude. Let's do the plugs one more time. Battleforgecoffee.com. <laughs> all that. Come on, we got to do it at the end real quick, too. Yeah, let's buy your coffee there. <laughs> And uh, buy your uh, Cali Death Podcast t-shirts at uh, calideathpodcast.bigcartel.com. And uh, if you enjoyed this debauchery, uh, subscribe at all the areas that we have our shit at. And um, (laughs) yeah, so bad, dude. I missed dinner tonight, guys. I love you. Uh, John Longstreth, dude, this was so fucking sick, dude. I really, yeah. you Same were on shit. the list in the beginning, and I didn't think that we can get to you, but we got to you, and boom, here we are. I love it. And origin. let's do it again soon. Origin, we'll do it earlier, maybe like on a Sunday or something. <laughs> no, yeah, you'll be, we'll wait until yeah. you get back uh, on this. T- time no jet lag all that shit not two days after a fucking european tour <laughs> oh man you know? that's, that's what keeps you alive though we'll do it after yeah. this we'll do it after the super bowl which we're not going to talk about not yet <laughs> what are you talking about yeah. i don't know <laughs> what's going on with that yeah Chief? joel's got his back had him back hey. hey 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 you mean it's Chief, 2023 and your team is still called the chiefs <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's still gonna happen for a little while, but soon. Why you keep doing out. this with your hand, dude? You're chopping, dude. You change it to the chefs. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Chefs. Let's be really no, quick. Hey, hey. Niners are out of it. I don't really give a shit about that. And uh, so we're gonna Vikings, Chiefs, because it's the fucking Joel team, dude. So we're gonna do that. And oh, and the John team and the Casey team. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you. Right. Thank That's you. where we're at, guys. Wait, so. I just thought this shirt had nice my name. Yay sports. Yay know. sports. Go teams. Hey, point ball. Just kidding. Yeah, dude. Uh, Joel Harner. <laughs> Score points, guys. Are we rating anybody to be even? Oh, uh, I didn't. I'm just, I don't know. I'm too. You're laughing uh, at me geez. being too drunk. And look at you. All right. Come on. All right. Love you guys. Have a good night. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rock on. We'll see you next week. Peace. John, rock Bye, guys. on. Dude. Thanks a lot. Have a nice night. <laughs>